0: Alright, coming up on this episode of Bro, Do You Even Talk Pinball? We've got an interview with Ryan Zlomak, co-owner of Skillshot Arcade in Syracuse, New York. We also have a whole slew of news to catch up on since we last did a podcast. And then finally, we're going to do a review of Williams' No Fear Pinball from 1995.
1: All that and more coming right up. Devils podcast!
2: And now the hollow notes of pinball podcasting, Nick Lane and Kevin Manny of Buffalo Pinball. Woo, boom, shaka Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time it is for you guys. Uh, welcome back to Birdie Even Talk Pinball. It's been a little while, but you know we had some, we had some life to live. You know, I, I went on two trips, I left the, left my state twice in a month. It was crazy. Uh, Nick, what have you been up to? Uh, I went on at least one trip. Probably got COVID. Um, feeling good.
0: uh i don't even when's the last time you even did a podcast was it like
2: march it was right before weird al right before i went to texas for the weird al stream so eight march was that march or april i don't remember time doesn't matter anymore that's that's all i know correct Uh, but we've gone from uh we've gone from hoodies and uh pants weather to t-shirts and and cargo shorts weather so things are really turning around things are looking up summer time's almost here And uh, we got a great show for you ahead. So before we get into that, why don't we thank our partners. Nick, you want to do the honors? Yeah, all right. So our premier
0: partner for a number of years now is Penn Stadium Lights. We love Penn Stadium lighting kits. Uh, These are app-controlled iOS, Android lighting kits that will illuminate your entire pinball machine. I I find that... For whatever reason, even though there's a million LEDs in pinball machines these days, they are still incredibly dark with bad spotlights, no good GI to illuminate it. So in many cases, you're going to want to get a Pinsidium so you can see your game. Um, also, I want to just say great customer service from Scott at Pinsidium whenever I had an issue. Use coupon code Buffalo. Save some money. Save 10%. That's that's, that's uh, pretty significant. So Pinsidium lights. Um, our other partners which we want to show some love to is pinwoofer.com. I don't know if they were... A uh, partner in our last podcast, I think so, but Pinwolfur is an upgraded full speaker kit for your pinball machine, and especially as um, you know, there's so many music machines out there, I feel like that's where it really shines. You want this in a music machine to get the most out of it. Um, so easy to install. I did my own install, so that is pinwoofer.com. Happy to have them on board. And of course, flipping out, flipping out pinball.com. If you're going to buy a pinball machine, I swear to God, go there. They are the best, best customer service. They raised the bar, which was not hard because it sucked every place. else, pretty much that I've dealt with. Um, but Zach Many is incredible. And his wife, Nicole Manning, um, is really good at just taking care of you. Highly recommend. It's easy. Go to Flipping Out Pinball when you're ready to buy your pinball machine. Titan Pinball, longstanding supporter. I just unpacked a package from Titan Pinball. I got some new silicone rings. I got those nice um, cabinet flipper protect clear protectors because I'm getting some new machines. So I wanted that. Um, they've got to keep on code of Buffalo, save 10%. You've got pinball edu. Go to pinballraffle.org, buy a raffle ticket, support charity, maybe win a brand new Stern pinball machine. You've got Pinside, Pinside.com. I, you know That was like one of the first pinball websites I ever went to when I got back into the hobby in, in um, you know September, October of 2010. And I just I was just there yesterday, you know. So it's it's probably the longest consistency in my uh, you know pinball history. Here is pinside.com. We love them. Comet Pinball, the OG of making your pinball machines lit up, pairs nicely with pinsadium. If you got incandescents in your pinball machines, still rip those fuckers out and put in some Comet LEDs. And then last but not least, Jersey Jack Pinball Makers, of the most beautiful pinball machines on the planet. And I heard I think they're coming out with their new game soon maybe a month or two
2: all right that's that's the old rumor uh before we get into our interview if you're watching live uh type hashtag win in the chat and that will enter you to win a a, some swag from skillshot arcade and uh joining us from skillshot arcade is the co-owner ryan's lomek there it's a location out in syracuse new york they launched during a pandemic ryan (laughs) how you doing man good to see Uh you
3: I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on the show uh, again. You know, yeah. like I've, I'm slowly hitting all of the uh, the Buffalo pinball little venues.
2: Yeah. So uh, if you watch the gameplay streams we we do on um, usually on Thursday nights for the Brody Even Talk Pinball or Brody Even Pinball show, uh, Ryan's been on a few. We did Alice Cooper, right, and Alien. Any others? We did.
3: I have. Yeah, I've actually got a, where are we? I have the Alien stream playing on our TV in the back. I'm not, oh, you know, nice. Just in case I move out of frame and you really want to see how bad all of us played that night,
2: <laughs> you can check it, it out. It was bad. Like we even, did much better on Alice Cooper when we all teamed up and got to the wizard mode. That was cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've known Ryan for, I don't know, like six, seven years. We were trying to figure that out before the show. Uh, long time. Uh, we both have a, an, an affection for uh, Swords of Fury. That's where we first bonded. He actually owns my old Swords of Fury. And uh, yeah, he's a um, former, I, I guess, former uh, founder of Circus um, Pinheads. I don't know. Is Circus is Pinheads still around?
3: It's, it's still going. We still have our okay. lifestyle brand products.
2: Okay. And then uh, you've it, since expanded. So in that, you used to, with Circus um, Pinheads, you used to operate pinball machines, right? In other locations. Tell, tell me how that works.
3: Yeah, sure. So, in uh, so for those of you who are you know beaming in from places other than Central New York, uh, Syracuse is like a little small city, uh, you know, of about one hundred fifty thousand people. Uh, that's that was known for its salt production and our you know uh, production of air conditioning units from Carrier, uh, and like most upstate New York cities, uh, is trying to recover from some recession that we had well before I was born. Um, so that's not a great breeding ground for pinball machines uh, and for amusements uh, just in general. So like in our, you know, uh, we have some great vendors here. I partnered up with uh, with one of them, um, but there was no great places to play uh, more than one or two machines at any location. You could go to a pizza shop and, you know, eat your fair share of garlic knots and play two games. Um, but after that, there wasn't really any, you know, anywhere else to go, like you were, you were limited. Um, so I started Syracuse Pinheads in 2016 uh, at a comic book shop and it was a, a vending location where I could have, uh, I think I made it up to 13 machines at one location um, uh, of all eras from electromechanicals to, to modern solid states. So um, we did tournaments there uh, and then I partnered up with the Silver Ball Saloon in Rochester and now here pinball in Cortland um, and Voltage Video Games in Syracuse and a couple other locations to, to give... Uh, pinball offerings at venues that didn't have them or sort of enhanced the pinball offerings there. Um, and I closed it uh, due to some uh, glorious IRS tax rules. It was a good decision to close my business <laughs> uh, right before the pandemic hit, which ended up being uh, kind of a blessing in disguise. Um, but while I, uh, while I just had some downtime and sort of, you know I guess, pinball maintenance or whatever you want to call it, um, I had been debating of a number of other sort of business models that might function a little bit better. Um, and then was able to find two killer business partners and open Skull shot in October.
2: So you opened it in October, 2021, October,
3: 2021.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you've been open not quite a year now. Um, t- talk to me. So I, I feel like, you know, as, as you, you join this hobby, you get into it, you know, you start thinking about, Oh, I could put a, a pin here and make, make some money. Uh, And then maybe you started thinking about, well, should I turn this into a full-fledged business and open a location? Talk me through the thought process of um, why you decided to, uh, you know, open your own venue and what have the benefits been so far and maybe some of the challenges as well.
3: Yeah, I guess I'll start off by just saying that, like, I think in, especially when I look at like pinball media, a lot of the focus that we have is on competitive pinball and like sort of homeowner culture. And then the The vending or location side of things tends to be sort of like uh, the second class citizen of like pinball conversation. Um, So a lot of times, a lot of people just sit there and think about how easy it is to maintain equipment at their homes or, you know, they go to their friend's house and they play stuff or they have a really good vendor who, you know, has a million games on location. uh, And they just think that like, you know, hey, I put games on a location it will instantly generate revenue. Um, and having gone down that path with a number of businesses, uh, and seen, uh, just since 2016, my own, uh, you know, business sort of struggle with maintaining locations and things like that, um, or other locations that opened up and struggled through a pandemic or whatever, uh, the, you know, the realization to me, and maybe this is an ignorant statement or, uh, you know, just a statement that shows that maybe I need to think about this differently is that uh, in all the business models that I see that are successful, pinball is not really the thing that makes money. It's not the thing that generates revenue. Um, you know, it it has alternative perks, and there's a lot of, a lot of good that can come from opening some sort of pinball establishment. But you know, uh, as one of my business partners says, when you make your money twelve and a half cents at a time, it takes a lot to pay off a brand new Stern game. Um, so when it came to you know me looking at other models like uh i was looking at the sanctum you know they're sort of open one day a week they have a they have low overhead they have people who are really devoted to uh putting in a lot of time to making sure games are maintained and then they uh they put a lot of time and effort into into tournaments so that when they do big ones they're you know they're huge they're not just some sort of little you know one tier trade-off um or you know looking at most other barcade models like the the arcade part is the part that keeps people there, but the money that you're making is typically in, in food and drink. Um, so, I had that in my head, and I don't, you know, personally don't have any interest in kind of dealing with liquor licenses and opening a major kitchen and just thinking about putting in six figures worth of income to open a business. So, I was thinking about alternative ways uh, to sort of make money and. Um, the, it, with pinball. <laughs> Let me be clear, like the goal is not to make money. The goal is to build pinball culture and you have to have money to make sure that it's sustainable. Um, but uh, the thing that I was interested in is the fact that we don't, you know, when people try to gather around pinball machines, uh, you know, usually it, the social endeavor is the part that keeps people there and keeps people excited. So uh, when I came up with the, the model for SkillShot, uh, we're open one night a week, uh, so every Wednesday, we're open from 5 till 9. You pay one price. Everything's on free play. Pay as much as you want. Um, if you want to order food and have it delivered or you want to bring your own meals, you can do that. We have snack and soda machines in the back. Um, but that's sort of the for the casual player who's interested in, in getting their pinball fixed for the week. Um, but then the rest of our business is based around parties and events. Um, so we rent our space for whatever you are interested in. Um, So, you know, we've done uh, birthday parties for four-year-olds and eight-year-olds and 17-year-olds. We had a a rockin' 50th birthday party here uh, a couple weeks ago where they just, like, were over the moon about it. Uh, We had a family reunion. We've had a bat mitzvah. We had a baby shower. Like we wanna be a resource where people feel that they can come in and experience arcade culture, but really focus on kind of celebrating with their friends because that's the part of the experience that people have missed in COVID. Um, So as you know, we were mulling these ideas around the the thought of what are people missing? Well, people are missing shared experience. What do we wanna do? We wanna create a business that is focused on uh, arcade culture uh, but is also going to be sustainable. And those two things kind of came together to make Skillshot possible.
2: That's awesome. So um, you, you have the uh, the pay one price, play as much as you want, free play kind of set up. Um, what, how does that differ from, because you were doing like a shared coin drop before when you were doing uh, Syracuse Pinheads. How, how's, that, how's that work out? How's it been going so far with that differentiation?
3: It's been going great. Like I think the... Um, you know, like a lot of, I get a, it, it used to be about once a month somebody would reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about a barcade. Like, can you give me some advice? Or, uh, you know, hey, I've got this business model. If you just put the games in, we'll take care of everything else and everybody will make money. Um, which, is, which is cool. Like, I'm glad that people are socializing these ideas. But uh, when it comes to just being a traditional vendor, you know, as I've looked at a million different vendor models, quantity is really what makes those models function. Uh, You hope for some big accounts, but you end up having a lot of little accounts, so if you can get your your equipment, whether it's ATMs, vending machines, pinball machines, or whatever, into 100 locations or 50 locations or whatever, and each of those locations spits off 50 bucks a week, then you start to generate enough revenue to live on. Um, Pinball machines, as we all know, are very heavy. They're hard to maintain. They're really expensive. Uh, so for me, it was about making sure I had a finite number of locations, um, and when you're then splitting that revenue with uh, whoever you're with, you know. So I was at a bar, I was at a uh, you know sort of an amusement center, I was at a, uh, a video game store, I was at uh, this comic book shop. All of a sudden, you're making just enough money to replace the solenoid that burnt out the week before, um, and it's not a whole lot of it's not a whole lot of liquidity. Um, and the other thing too is that people. Especially if you're thinking about getting into vending, you're thinking about putting machines on locations. You really have to think about the your relationship with the location you're going to be at, um, because they change one variable in that room, and it could change the way in which your equipment's handled, the amount of access people have to that equipment, um, and it changes your entire uh, relationship with that venue. Um, you know, case in point, like I left one day. It was my first game on location, Kevin. This is what started our friendship. Was uh, I had a Swords of Fury. Um, I left, um, and I came back the next day, and my machine had been completely shifted and moved uh, without my notice or my permission in front of a window, where it was just going to get a ton of sun bleaching and a bunch of problems. And somebody had come in; they had read an article about me. They had claimed they know me. They said, "Oh, Ryan would be fine with this," and they had moved my machine to another location that would be more convenient for them. Uh, and that's an issue. You know, that's a vendor issue, like that's a relationship issue, and those are the types of things that you deal with when you're. Uh, you know, when you're a vendor and we can go down that rabbit hole of uh, horror stories later. Um, but the nice, but for me, it's a matter of like, you know, I, I said this in another interview recently that like pinball's hard. Like we always talk about that. Um, it's the thing that pops up all the time. Like the game is difficult. They're hard to move. They're hard to maintain, but we love them. We all have a personality quirk that like drives us toward the insanity that is pinball. So I know that pinball will always be an uncontrolled variable. I'll be able to figure out how many uh, different things I can do from a preventative standpoint, but in the end, I never know when a plastic's going to break. I never know when a solenoid is going to fry. I never know when a switch is going to go out of alignment. Um, I never know when the we're going to get you know business bu- buildings going to get struck by lightning and blow something up. Like we never know these variables, but. With as I was, you know, sort of meandering and figuring out what what Skillshot was going to be, I was really excited about the event space idea because I could control ninety percent of the variables. I can control what clients I decide to service, who I let into the venue. I can I can control the spacing and the placement of my games. Um, you know, I can control a number of different assets that I wouldn't be able to have with a traditional vendor relation, um, and. You know, one of the sort of perks of COVID, if I can try to you know, put a positive spin on it, is that the commercial real estate market really started to tank. Um, and that meant that there were a lot of options to get into different venues um, for a much more affordable price than you would have. You know, a place that would have cost you $4,000 a month to rent might be 1000 or 1500 at that point. Um, and being able to take that risk of, you know, eh, we need X amount to survive per month. Uh, is much easier to swallow um, when the numbers are subdued than getting into a place and you know paying the high ticket price for your equipment and the high ticket price for uh, the venue that you're renting. Um, and then just the high risk of having pinball machines on location. So since we've, we've had our own space, uh, it's, it's been great because I can control it. You know, I mean, I'm here on a Saturday morning, we don't have a party today, so I can just kind of enjoy it. I can go around, I can fix things at my leisure. Um, as opposed to, you know, with my previous ventures where, you know, you're trying to fix a game and you've got like a four-year-old, like poking your leg while you're trying to like solder something. <laughs> so this is a much, to me, a much less, uh, a much more low stress environment.
2: Well, it's also, you've got all your games in one spot now and you don't have to drive all over the place. And, you know, there's just the logistics of that. Um, having to spend your time driving all over, collecting coins and, you know, Nick, Nick knows this <laughs> well too, right? Like, um, you you've got it all in one spot and I know uh, Nick's, Nick's crew has kind of consolidated a little bit post pandemic too. So it's like, you know, you got to factor all that in when you're considering a location and a business model, right?
3: Absolutely. And you also have to add, the other thing you have to ask yourself is like one of the reasons, like I like touching base with Nick once in a while, just about his venture is because Buffalo's a way bigger market than Syracuse is. Um, you know, like in Syracuse, we, the majo- I, I will say this. I think the majority of our clients um, are people who either have never played pinball before um, or have not played pinball in probably 20 to 30 years. Uh, the amount of people that walk in and are like, oh my God, they still make these things? What's your newest game? And I'm like, oh, well, Rush is over there. Uh, that just came out a few weeks ago. Um, you know, people are, are, are surprised by that. Whereas, you know, I think Buffalo is a fascinating case study because you guys like have done so much work to build that culture into the framework of the city so that when you're, you know, putting location, you're, you're putting things at new locations and you're building substantial locations, people are already sort of familiar with, with what this whole pinball thing is. Whereas in Syracuse, it's a lot of It's a lot of education. It's a lot of getting people sort of up to speed about what pinball is. And also just taking a step back, like we're immersed in this world 100% of the time. Like if we took the energy that we spend researching pinball culture and drama and mechanics and advancements and history, if we took that and we decided to invest that energy into researching the stock market, all of us would be independently wealthy. Um, But instead, we decide to, you know, like, figure out who has the best pinballs that are the least magnetic. <laughs> you know, like we solve those problems. instead.
2: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk, you know, you talked about, you know, the difference between Buffalo and, and Syracuse and, you know, promotion and things like that. And you and I had a, a pretty interesting conversation recently about getting the word out. How do you build a location as, as a place w- that people know, uh, not only among the, the pinball crowd, but uh, among your local folks who are going to support you year round. Cause you can run big tournaments like the sanctum and get people to come in for the, their big 24 hour tournament a couple times a year. Uh, but the people who are nearby are the ones who are really going to sustain you year round. Right. So, um, talk to me about, you know, cause that's part of your role at skillshot. I understand is, uh, is building that community around your location and trying to, trying to get the word out. And so talk to me about what you've been doing there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, getting—I'll I'll be honest with you. Like when I was doing uh, Syracuse Pinheads in twenty, like twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen or whatever it was, um, it was—I lo- found it a lot easier to get people on board and uh, you know familiar with with the venture. And just you know, I guess to paint the picture a little bit more clearly, um, you know, I'm currently sitting in in our space. I'm sitting in Skillshot. It's this—you know—when you're inside, it's a it's a venue that has you know like. Sort of arcade-like LED lighting, and it's got 20 to 25 pinball machines in it, another you know five, five or so arcade games at any given time. Um, you know, we have like an assortment of craft soda in our vending machine, and um, you know, overall like a very friendly vibe. Um, but when you stare at it from the outside, we're in an industrial section of town. Um, when you you drive by it, you're we're, we're right next to the largest. Uh, billboard sales group in the city and there's another gigantic battery warehouse nearby and we're on the, on the other side we're near an art like an air force base so we're in a very industrial area of town that has high traffic but isn't exactly the type of traffic that's going to just swerve off the road to go get like a coolada from Dunkin Donuts or something like you would find in other areas of the city so um, you know i think one of the things that's kind of worked for and against us is that we've, you know, like the culture of this place is a little more industrial uh, and you have to sort of be willing to enter an environment um, that doesn't feel like you're entering Chuck E. Cheese. We don't, you know, we have parking, but it's not like, you know, you're not going to come in and see like animated bands playing. <laughs> like it's just, you know, like it's it's not big and, and crazy and I don't know, colorful from the outside. It's just sort of an industrial building. So. Um, you know, for us, it's been interesting, kind of getting the word out. To go back to your question, that like um, historically, it's been really easy uh, for us to connect with, let's say, the lifestyle section of our local news periodicals, um, or to get uh, specialized Facebook groups to kind of host, um, you know, what what we are and what we're doing, and get really excited about it. Um, and part of that, I think, is the is the fact that like now, what's changed is that in our news cycles, negative news is making so much more money and collecting so much more data than sort of lifestyle news and excitable news and happy news, uh, which may sound a little bit dramatic. But when you know, like our Syracuse.com, for example, uh, is our sort of main news periodical. Uh, they run the Post Standard, which is our you know our newspaper. Um, and a lot of their writers are paid based off of the number of clicks on their articles, um, at least from the way I understand it. That's how that business model functions. And to do a piece about you know a bunch of people who are opening a, an arcade party space um, is going to get A decent amount of traffic. I mean, they did a piece on us a few weeks ago, and I think last I checked, like, 8,300 people had, like, watched a video of me ranting for two minutes, which I guess a lot of people are watching live on Twitch right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, to put that in perspective, it's not the forty or 50,000 that are interested in reading about the, uh, you know, the Russia-Ukraine incident right now. So... um, It's been really hard for us to kind of grasp into that news cycle. You know, it took us about six months just to get Syracuse.com to write an article about us. Um, And as Kevin can attest, I write pretty bomb press releases. So I don't know (laughs) what I was doing wrong. Um, But, you know, we've connected connected with them. We sent out press releases. I think the other thing that's really changed, at least for our market, is that um, everybody needs to make a buck. And uh, we used to have a, a really prolific lifestyle newspaper called the Syracuse New Times. And since uh, Syracuse Pinheads closed and Skillshot opened, that news periodical uh, no longer exists. And it's been replaced with a uh, another really cool period periodical called What's Hot, which is run by some people out of Cortland who are very very nice. Um, but they are, uh, you know, basically an ad sales. Uh, Based free news periodicals, so those places where you'd have that mix of free content, which normally we would be able to be a part of, um, and paid content, which is what a lot of people are, you know, are picking up, uh, is more difficult to get into because you have to have that startup capital. Um, I think the other thing too, and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, kind of digress on this point, is that uh, the thing that makes our model different is that as I look at um, a lot of the other really successful pinball ventures around uh, the country and the world, you know, most of them are making money on on adult-oriented entertainment. Um, you know, you're you've got your either hipster food approach or you've got your craft beers or whatever, and that's where the you know the real money is made in those ventures. We are a party space. Um, you know, we we if you want to have a party and you want us to get a liquor license for you and you know us to have some killer catering and for you to have a full bar, we can make that happen, um, but in order to keep our costs low, we don't have a liquor license all the time, um, and our primary clientele is is families. Um, and you know, like <laughs> one of our greatest uh, you know ways to get the word out to families is through a, a Facebook group called East Side Moms uh, in in Syracuse, and. Despite my appearance, I'm not an East Side Mom. <laughs> so, like, getting into those sort of venues and being able to, you know, have a bunch of people who don't have families to get into a uh, a, a place where families find us appealing uh, has proved to, proven to be a little bit of a challenge, as uh, people tend to be a lot more critical about who is owning the businesses and what their intentions are. Um, and then also just, uh, kind of being a little bit more empathetic about the way in which they make those purchases, because they're going to go to their sort of trusted social media venue first before they're going to hit up the, you know, the rando Facebook ad or Instagram promotion or, or, you know, sort of Google ad placement.
2: Yeah. That, that word of mouth is so critical. Um, so what do you, so we talked about your, you know, your local, you know, Eastside moms and things like that. Do you plan to do. IFPA tournaments, competitive play because uh, I think you know our, our audience <laughs> excused that way so they'd be interested in stuff like that. Or are yeah. you strictly focused on casual at this point and maybe do that in the future?
3: No I I guess in the spirit of <laughs> in the spirit of being open and honest, um, it's really hard to make money at competitive pinball um, especially when we have a culture that feels as though the venue, um, should be making money in alternative means, uh, and just you know, like uh, when I sit there and I look at you know some of our greatest pinball ventures, I mean, pinberg was this like life altering competitive experience with a thousand people. One thousand people were involved in that venture and they still couldn't make it cash positive. Um, so if you're doing a tournament, you know, at your local pizza shop or whatever with fifteen people, like, Maybe 30 bucks makes it through that, those machines, but 30 bucks doesn't buy a uh, you know a brand new Godzilla for 7,200 or you know whatever the price tag is on that. Um, and I'm just starting with that perspective because one of the things that I've really thought about is like how do we make sure that the competitive player is satisfied when they come to our venue? So as of as of right now, I think we've done three sanctioned IFPA events. Um, and my, my business partners uh, own a, uh, the largest vending firm in Syracuse. It's called United Vending Service. They're awesome. You should check them out. They're at all the colonial laundromats around the area. They're at WonderWorks and and uh, Destiny USA. Um, and they have a, about 150 locations spanning about an 80-mile radius, which is, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but one of the things that they've really put a focus on, whereas a lot of other vendors have not, is they buy every single new in-box Stern machine. Uh, typically the you know the pro um, of whatever the model is, but it means that we always have in Syracuse a rotation of whatever the newest equipment is. So right here, I'm sitting next to Rush. Uh, if you go, head down the road a few minutes, there's a, a place called Trapper's Pizza Pub, which has Mandalorian and Godzilla at it. And you can literally just go across their entire uh, pinball map, uh, which they have on their website, and pretty much play every new Stern machine that's been produced, including Beatles and Batman and Elvira, um, between now and about 2012, when they started kind of reinvesting, um, so you know, in regards to the IFPA thing, um, rather than just kind of doing a whole lot of tournaments and just you know trying to make it really whopper centric and getting people you know it's getting small groups of people excited about tournaments, what we've done is every time a new inbox box stern comes out, we do a uh, we do a tournament. Um, that so far have not been sanctioned by Stern, uh, but we tend to do, uh, we, we do a, a tournament that shows off uh, that machine that is typical typically a match play tournament with sort of a limited entry. Um, last time we cut it off at 36 participants. Um, but the thing that makes our tournaments different, and the part that I get really excited about it is that, um, you know, there's some logistical stuff at tournaments that uh, a lot of people don't really think about. It's just kind of the you know, the aspect of of going to a tournament like i remember playing at you know nick's house for the buffalo pinball open and being really excited about that i made finals but also being concerned that i hadn't brought enough cliff bars <laughs> so like, you know when it comes to like food and access to bathrooms and you know breaks and things like that that's something we're really uh really tuned into so when we do our tournaments when you pay your entry fee of, of 30 bucks or whatever it is that includes whatever is going to be uh, available for prizes for our top four or eight or whatever we decide. It also includes breakfast for everybody. Like we always want to make sure that people don't have to plan those logistics, like come here, we're, we're going to give you, you know, bagels and cream cheese or, or, or whatever it is. And then we're also going to have, uh, you know, uh, I guess it'd be a late breakfast, early brunch, and then kind of a dinner for people at the end of the tournament. So we can all just sort of like end it on a high note and eat some food and spend some time together. Because in the, in the long term, like, as much as it's really exciting to like refresh your IFPA page and see if you made the top thousand or whatever it is like we come back to these things because we actually like spending time with the people who are there like some of my favorite moments at tournaments are you know while somebody else is playing and I'm learning about the person I'm standing next to and we want to sort of cultivate that that culture in tournaments but that type of logistics takes a lot of time so we're at a point where we do about I think we're probably going to average about four tournaments a year um, that are all going to be sort of uh, I don't know Limited, a limited number of people typically match play. Uh, we'll probably do a ticket tournament at some point. And I think we have a pretty big event coming up in October that uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about later once that uh, once that comes to fruition.
2: Awesome, yeah. Well, that's uh, I think you know, we've learned a lot. Nikki, have any any thoughts or uh, or feedback on this? I know you know you can relate to the stern not sanctioning your events comment or like you know, tournaments with folks that you know, the, the tournament culture, like expecting 100 of the entries to go back to the players and you know there's you know we've talked about some of the stuff on the shows before but it's it's just such making money in pinball is such a challenge right
0: no i i appreciate that ryan you're here to talk, give your perspective because you've been in the space you've tried a number of different things you're able to you have credibility right because you you've you've done it you've experimented um, you're somebody who's passionate about it, and you're like, "Look, here's the economics of pinball, which we had that other um, episode a couple months ago." And I think when people tell me things who are in this industry, like your games are expensive, why are they a dollar or something? My first thought is, "Fuck you, don't play them." Like, and and at this point, like I've been in this pinball for ten years, and, and Ron, you're saying, like, imagine if you spend that time on finance. I've, I've dedicated ten years of my life. I've literally done like everything I possibly can in this space. And um, it's it gets very frustrating because it's it's it, there's a lot of um, this is my my favorite hobby, there's so much emotion around it which has driven me and I'm sure Kevin can relate. And you can relate through through a lot of bullshit because we love this and we want We want to get it out there for people to, to play. Pinball is a piece of Americana. There's something special about it, and we want to do everything we can to kind of carry the torch for it. So what I'm trying to get at is that I'm really glad you came on because instead of telling people to go fuck themselves, um, I'm just going to say, you know what, go listen to this episode. And then at the end, you can hear me say, go fuck yourself when you give me shit about what I should be doing or charging for a pinball machine.
2: Thank you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Thanks, Nick. Uh, We did have a a question in chat for, for Ryan um pink ninja man wanted to know if you've talked about the difference between having jjps versus sterns on location yeah ryan i don't think you operate jjps correct me if i'm wrong there though
3: yeah i don't currently i guess what i'll say is this is that like i think a lot of people get uh, well first of all thanks for the question i appreciate that and nick i'll come back to your comment in a second (laughs) (laughs) um but uh i think in one thing that a lot of people don't consider when it's when it comes to uh starting locations and i guess you know if if I'm going to be the specialist of the day or whatever, which I'm really happy there's two vendors in this conversation because that almost never happens. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of people get really excited about is a variety of equipment. You know, like oh, come to my you know come to my shop and I have you know I've got Gottlieb electromechanicals and I've got some you know System Four Williams games and I've got some Data East DMD games and I've got some Bailey Williams games and I've got a. You know, my brand new Jersey Jack game, uh, and I've got these stern, you know, these different sterns, um, that's awesome and that's well and good, but when it comes to being an actual pinball mechanic, most people tend to specialize. There's very few people who are going to be able to go through and repair all of these different areas of equipment to the same level. You know, like I'll be up front and say that there's times when I'm kind of faking it till I make it and then figuring those things out. Um, so... A, to get back to the, the original question, I <laughs> with another sidestep, uh, as I've thought about what equipment to to put here, I've been very adamant about making sure that I do series of things. So like right now I've got uh, some old Williams solid states, I've got some old Gottlieb System 1 solid states, I've got some Williams System 11s, and I've got some Bailey Williams. And that's sort of the range of my equipment. Actually, I have some new sterns as well. but. Those are the systems that I feel really comfortable with, and I know what I I can do, and when a problem comes up, I can fix it relatively quickly if it goes down for a a customer on a free play night or during a tournament. Um, When it comes to the idea of, you know, how do Jersey Jack machines do and how do Stern machines do, having talked with other vendors, the the theme that I've heard is it's really location-dependent, and that when you are... Uh, at any sort of location you know like you can take the same game and put it one place and it'll make nothing and then put it in another location and it'll make a killing um like here I, I realized that these games aren't on free these games aren't on coin drop so it's kind of hard to determine but I can tell you that like um you know Dirty Harry for example is a game that uh people consider sort of like a b-level uh, Williams game and Gottlieb Totem is a game that I, I know they have one at, in Middletown at a Uh, you know, at a location there. um, And it's a game that I only ever hear people talk crap about. But that Totem game is a game that I see a lot of first-time pinball players gravitate to all the time. And for people who have been playing for a long time, for the past two months, Dirty Harry is one of our highest-played games. Um, And they're not games that you would sort of normally expect. So it's really hard to sort of determine who's going to win over what. Um, I had, in regards to the Jersey Jack thing, I haven't made those investments because it hasn't, for my location, the idea of having the the latest and greatest and most expensive doesn't actually equate to more people coming through uh, to play in my venue. Like I could have this entire place like filled with B-level games that all people on Pinside hate, and we'd probably do the same amount of business. Um, Eventually, I think we'll get into the JJP market at some point, especially if the next game is Toy Story. (laughs) Um, But it's going to be years coming down the path. Um, for, you know, for us, it's just been a matter of my vendor uses, uh, stern machines. Uh, we have invested in some American pinball equipment just to sort of see how it goes. Cause the price points are similar. Um, and for me, it's about making sure that the equipment that we have is going to be easily maintained.
2: Awesome. So yeah. I, I've learned a lot. I think, uh, the chat room has learned a lot. We've, we've got some giveaways that you've uh, kindly offered up. Do you have them there? You can show uh, the folks uh, who are watching. Yeah. Ryan
0: is going to come back to my comment. I want to hear what Ryan has to say real quickly. 30 30
2: seconds. uh, uh, Before before you get to that, hashtag win in chat to get into win what Ryan has here, and then we'll pull it after he talks about Nick's comment.
3: Yeah, no, I I think, I just want to say that, like, I think, Nick, everything you said is 100% true. And I think the tact with which you use, you and I have different approaches. (laughs) That's a good thing. Um, But the thing that I, I guess I just want to state is that, like, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like, as we talk about pinball and pinball culture, like, the vendor is oftentimes, like, the last person anybody considers. But without the vendors, we wouldn't have this hobby. It would not exist, nobody would be here if people weren't buying pinball machines in 2005 and 2008 and 2010, um, it just it wouldn't exist. Gary Stern owes his entirety of his existence to people who were willing to take a risk on him uh, and his equipment when we had our sort of different financial collapse. And if there's one thing I can kind of wish for the pinball community at large, I realize that pinball's hard. I realize it's taking your money. I realize that the clear coat might not be right. I realize that, you know, you get pissed off when your quarters have been taken by, you know, whatever your game, or to Nick's point, when you show up and you go to play a new game, and oh my God, this game was 75 cents last week. Now it's a dollar. This person's so greedy. Most vendors who are putting up pinball machines are operating at a loss on that equipment. Most vendors who are making money in vending are not making anything on pinball. People will disagree with that. I know Jack Bar in uh, in New York does quite well on its pinball machines. I know that Till out in Minnesota does quite well. Um, but those are the rarity. Most people are using pinball machines to get other more liquid equipment into those venues. So be nice to your vendors. Be patient with your vendors. Understand that they're ninety percent time doing their best, and there are vendors who don't care about their equipment. Don't support them. You don't have to. Um, but realize that if you take a deep breath and you look at the amount of stress and anxiety and money that these people are putting out there so you can play a game for 45 seconds it's it's pretty substantial <laughs> all
2: right well i appreciate that thanks ryan go ahead and show off what we're going to give away here
3: sure so we got uh we've got some uh shot buttons super exciting so uh you can't really see this it. too great but it says skillshot pinball arcade and event space And uh, the more important one, which is on Wednesdays we play pinball. Uh, For anybody who wins this who's local or knows anybody in the Syracuse area, we'll give you two free passes to come to Skillshot on any Wednesday or any other special event that we do. I think in the summer we're going to do a couple one-offs. And then for Syracuse Pinhead swag, you'll get a drink koozie. So Syracuse Pinheads, and of course, everybody's favorite, if you're not tilting, you're not trying. Um, and then I'm going to throw in a few other little goodies as well. Uh, continental U.S. only, please.
2: <laughs> yes, because um, international shipping is insanity right now. And, you know, it cost Ryan an arm and a leg. like, it would be like, you know, 50 games of pinball to ship you a, 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 a beer koozie and some pins. So absolutely. Um, you could
3: probably buy a better game at that price point.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and pick a winner. And it is DOS Reboot. We'll go ahead and announce that in the chat. Congratulations, DOS Reboot. I will connect the two of you up uh, after the show, and uh, we can get you hooked up with all the, the goodies from Skillshot Arcade. So, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. I hope, uh, hope you had a good time, and uh, uh, we'll see. I could, I could talk to Ryan forever. He's, a, he's an amazing dude. Definitely go out, check out Skillshot Arcade in Syracuse, New York, if you're passing by. Uh, where can folks learn more about you and, and the location?
3: Absolutely. So we're Skillshot Arcade on uh, on Facebook. Uh, you can find us at SkillshotArcade.com on the Internets. Um, you, I believe we're Skillshot S Y R. It might be Skillshot Arcade S Y R on Instagram. Um, and if you're interested in reaching out to me more directly, uh, I do Syracuse Pinheads. You can find Syracuse Pinheads on Facebook uh, or at Syracuse Pinheads on the Instagram. Um, And I just, Nick, Kevin, uh, I really just want to end this by saying I truly uh, don't think that pinball culture would be where it is without the work that you guys do. Um, And as you were going over your sponsorships, I was sitting there, I have a, uh, I'm a school teacher and I have an X-Men Ali in my classroom. And as you're going over pin stadiums, comets, Titans, all those things. I'm like, oh my God! Like, it's these are all the products that like I save up for and I want to show off and I talk to my students about. And if the the people who are willing to invest in you isn't a sure enough sign of the work that you're doing, uh, I just I think that you know people should once again take a step back and realize how much Buffalo Pinball is really helping to build up
2: the culture. Well, I appreciate that, man. (laughs) Kind words as always. Um, Thank you. I do have. uh, We have to pull another winner because Das Reboot is Canadian, so we get everybody else gets a, a, another chance here. So let's go ahead and draw somebody. It's Borg dog. I'm pretty sure he's in the U S so congrats Borg dog. You are the big winner. Do me and, a favor. Uh,
3: Connect me with uh DOS reboot. Anyway, we'll find a way to make sure that they are, uh, they are well represented.
2: Awesome. Well, we will, I'll hook you up with both of them then. Thank you. Thanks Ryan. Have a good day. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right.
3: Thanks for having me guys.
2: All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Nick, you ready to do some pinball news? I think so. All right. Let's, let's, let's get our official intro here. Here's the tip. It's the latest pinball news. So hot. It's on fire. All right. So we got, we got some stuff to go over. It's been a while. We haven't, uh, we haven't done a podcast in over a month. So, uh, let's start off with, um, let's go over here. So I've got, uh, some exclusive n- updates on Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity. Um, I got some info from um, Jerry at Multimorphic. He says um, they're they're scaling up. They're slowly scaling up a a, a, a post that he uh, shared earlier in the P3 Discord. Said uh, we're good on parts for a while. Still looking for more people to help turn them into games and machines faster. So far, we've had better luck with friends of friends than random hires. Who knows? People near Round Rock, Texas looking for assembly work. So I think like a lot of uh, businesses right now, they're you know just finding people to do the work is the problem. They have the parts. They're they're starting to put them together, but it's they're coming together slowly. Uh, in this update that he sent me, he says, we're ramping up slowly, but we're ramping up. We're in a good place with parts right now, as we've discussed before. And we're looking for more good people to help with assembly. Seems like every storefront in the city has a Help Wanted sign up. Weird Al has been to multiple shows recently, TPF, Pinbrew, Pinfest, and this weekend at uh, GSPF, uh, Golden State Pinball Festival. Uh, So they had two P3s there. It's going to Pintastic as well. So if you're headed to Pintastic, you can play the P3 there. Uh, We're working through the rest of the software updates to make all the apps compatible with the Flipper Update Kit and motorized wall scoop assembly. Half are out. And the remaining will be out soon. Updated dev kit will follow. So he sent me a couple of pictures of the uh, of the assembly in progress. So this here's a couple uh, play fields getting put together. Um, I got to click over here. There we go. You know,
0: I don't understand yeah. why doesn't Jerry just do what Stern does and send a half fucking working machine out to his customers and say, you fix it, you <laughs> assemble it. You
2: know, that's
0: what I'm going to do when I get my Rush Premium is fucking take the goddamn thing apart and like, put in protectors and change the goddamn scoop protector and move the baby posts. I'm like, I'm looking at hours of work. Nah, I take that back. Matt Taylor is probably looking at hours of work, which I compensated <laughs> for, but it's fucked it's, up.
2: It's it's good to have friends, you know? So got Martha, some...
0: I was like, when we get this
2: game, don't plan on playing it for quite some time. So are they, are they not, um, are they not shipping with the new scoop protector in place? Or are you putting a different one on?
0: Dude, I don't want that scoop protector. It literally, the game was not designed that way. It literally blocks a piece of the shots. And also, the ball is hitting the side of this exposed metal repeatedly. Those those balls are going to get messed up. So, yeah, it looks terrible. It changes the game for the way it was designed. Um, Based on the forums, it looks like Ninja makes up some protectors that are generally holding up. I guess they had a problem with some of them, but they figured it out. So I've got my order in. And I was talking to Patrick, uh, a friend of the show, Patrick. We just streamed his Halloween last week. And, you know, he was saying that things are a pain in the ass to swap it out. Like, you're looking at, like, an hour, you know, if you know what you're doing. So, that's fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, by the way, order all these other things from Ninja. Like, this is, let's fix this shot where you get rejects. This fixes, like, the the turn where, you know, it's just like, you look at that and you get the game playing how it should be and again like even just like moving the post so it's not a baby game um it, it's no joke we're looking at a minimum of two hours of work on
2: that game just to kind of get it playing i would say how it should play yeah i i played um i played james's rush with that that upgraded protector on it and it's good it's that's what it the game should have on it you know but oh the ninja one yeah yeah um, for sure for sure it's a uh, it's a shame it's a shame that there's so much it, I don't know what the hell happened with their scoop protectors, but oh my God. Dude, it's amazing
0: um, that the solution was some third party guy who three, 3d printed a uh, like scoop protect. I think this 3d printed and that's the solution. Like, all right, like great. Like, I'm glad we
2: have one, but it's just, it's just crazy. It is crazy. Um, yeah, it's so a couple, a couple more pictures of weird Al. Um, so these are, these are the ones he sent me. Um, so we've got, uh, p 3s being assembled because uh folks have you know, and ordered entire P3s in addition to the uh um to the Weird Al playfield. And then uh cabinets being assembled and then these are some pictures that he shared on pin side of uh those are P3 playfields on the rack. Um camera PCBs for the uh the UHF camera in Weird Al so they're they're putting all those assemblies together. Look how easy pinball is everybody. Everybody should do this. Look how easy this is. There's no, no overhead involved, no labor, you know, man, I don't know why we should, we should start our own pinball business. Nick. It looks well, Ryan was talking easy.
0: about See, Ryan's smart. And he, you know, the way he articulates things is like, you know, controlling all the variables. Right. And like the amount of variables that are involved in creating a pinball machine is ridiculous just based on the amount of parts and the different distributors and then assembling it. Like it's insane. So God bless, God bless people who do it. Um, you know Jerry's a smart guy so he knows what he what he's into but these other yahoo's I love it I love yeah,
2: it Yeah they're 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 doing it right and they understand the the challenges of of putting all this together you know I I spent a weekend with Jerry you know he hosted me in his house we talked a lot um these are they they know what to expect when they're scaling this up um it's just you know the market is so insane right now you know so they planned ahead and they had parts on the way Ready to you know to to get delivered so they could put all these machines together after the announcement and now it's like the 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 market for for labor is so crazy trying to find people to put these together, um you know and I think I think JJP ran into that and that's why it took so long to get so many GNRs put out and I'm sure Stern is having similar issues it's uh you know it's it's not an easy business you got to you got to design the machine put all the the investment up front to design these machines then you have to uh, write all the software, make sure it's bug free, assemble them in a way that it's gonna be reliable, and then launch it, do all the marketing, <laughs> build all these machines after you get the orders in. Hopefully your customers don't get mad that you're taking too long. You know, it's
1: <laughs> it also, also helps if like if you're not very
2: a, small margins. There's like there's these people aren't making a lot of money. No. And it
0: also helps if you're not a criminal. That's a plus.
2: Also that we there's we we have some, some criminals to talk about later in the show. All right, so there's your, there's your Weird Al update. Uh, on the JJP front, um, if we go over here, they are scaling down the uh, the end of the GNR production, finally coming to an end. Um, they said, uh, manufacturing of Guns N' Roses not in this lifetime. Pinball is winding down for now. Don't wait for an encore order your game today. Available for immediate shipping. So if you want a GNR, go ahead and get one. Uh, but they've also, wait, where is it? Here it is. Uh, they're also putting some teasers out there too Uh, this is a picture of some coils that are kind of like uh, artistically shot to look like some flowers growing Uh, and so spring is considered to be the season of new beginnings let's make this a season to remember uh so everybody's speculating that it's it's toy story and you know that we've got this or this these are like the slinky dog slings and you know it's like but we don't have anything concrete yet but it's I, I think it's it's like about time. We're ready for a new JJP game. It's been almost two years. Um, bring it on. I'm ready. Uh, on the American pinball front, um, they're hiring and firing. Uh, first, I have to show you this because look at this. I, <laughs> <laughs> so this is an announcement of Ryan McQuaid, Ryan McQuaid homebrew developer of the Sonic Spinball uh, pinball machine. Uh, joined american pinball as their latest uh hire uh my favorite part of this announcement is that it has dave fix in the photo and he didn't well. need to be in that photo you realize <laughs> like you look at the headline and he found a way to like he's like can you just put me in that photo but it's about
0: ryan McQuaid. i don't care i'm dave fix put in put me in there okay i saw machines let's like, do it well let, let
2: ryan have his moment okay like if you hired this guy great but you know it's, this is he's, ryan's he, moment
0: dude he's like costanza on the beach from seinfeld
2: episode <laughs> Isn't like <laughs> a family photo. There's <laughs> there's Ryan so he's uh I hired as their newest uh pinball designer. There's there's a there's um Sonic Spinball uh which has been out to multiple shows. I think it was most recently at Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, but Americans have been doing a lot of hiring. They haven't been doing a lot of selling of pinball machines. It seems like you know they've got. Shh, oh, it's okay, Kevin. That's oh, you, know,
0: so. you just hire a bunch of people. So,
2: <laughs> How many designers time. do they have now? They got Norman. They have Ryan. I mean that uh, that uh,
0: Sonic game. I I remember seeing him. You know, post a lot on Facebook. That I mean, he looks like a talented dude. Like that looks awesome. So I'm happy yep. for him. I mean, they just have the the Ryan pinball there. guys who you did mean, the, the jokes. Fella.
2: What do you think of their uh, like? their strategy of of bringing homebrew developers and bringing their games to market i don't think they're gonna bring sonic spinball to market but do you think they're doing that american dream thing where homebrew developers can put a game together and then if they're they're selected by the hand of dave fix their game will will get put into production what do you what do you think of that strategy i mean
0: it's interesting it worked look at me it worked for stern like they're you know, arguably their best-selling designer right now. I don't even think it's arguably is Keith Elwin. And he had his homebrew game that he was working on for three years and they looked at it and they're like, yep, let's turn this into a game. So I, I could see that working. You know, it just, they got, they got to do the polish. Like with Valhalla, I think they're, they're you know, when I t- talked to James and I haven't played the game, you know, James couldn't get, couldn't wait to get rid of that game, right? Like he, he hates it. He brings it up even when I'm not even talking about it. <laughs> uh and i think it's just like i think it suffers from not like the uh play field design if i'm understanding james correctly it just soft like the presentation's terrible right like so okay so you, you can't just run with it as is you've got to give it that like we're a serious pinball company polish
2: yeah the you know elwin i'm sure archer was great but he also had the benefit of having the stern team behind him and the the decades of experience with folks like uh you know george gomez and everybody there all the software teams you know they have the resources to turn these into awesome games where you know smaller startups like american pinball their 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 bench is not as deep as stern's right so you know they have to put all of their effort into whatever current game is happening and then i i think this happens with spooky too you know they everything goes into whatever they're working on and then it's like Okay, we're done building those. We got to focus on whatever's next. And then the, the previous game gets forgotten. So but I don't think, I don't have the confidence that you're going to ha- have the the follow-up in software updates in these smaller companies. Because they just don't have the resources uh, to dedicate to to these past games. Well, my thing is, like, you've got a company like American
0: Pinball. And, and yeah, I believe that they could put out a, a game that's that's not bad. But you can't, in the market, you can't put out a game. Eh, it's not a bad game. It's all right when you're competing against like Stern who is just absolutely crushing it. And like, I'm surprised people buy these games when there is superior games in terms of quality and build quality at at Stern or or even JJP. So I don't know how they make it in the market other than making, ensuring that they get like the right theme that people will buy no matter what, which is Spooky's game that they play, right? Like they Spooky can can put out crap games, my opinion um, but if they get the theme, people will buy it without even seeing or playing it. And they'll, even when a game is disappointing and bad, like Spooky, when they announce the next one, if it's a good theme, they're going to be fine like as a business.
2: So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, I I think there's something to be said for the smaller companies doing taking more risks, right? You know, with something like an Alien or Legends of Valhalla, like different interesting layouts. I mean, even Halloween has a very... un unusual layout. Um, something th- that's stuff that Stern would never do. Right. So if you're looking Did- for something outside of the usual Stern, uh, thankfully they have Elwin who I think is pushing them to do a little more unique layouts and and different things. Cause for a while there, every, for me, everything, all the Stern started feeling very samey. It's like, Oh, here's two ramps, two orbits, a uh, bash toy up the middle, probably. And, uh, five modes and a couple multi balls and you're calling it good um you know now we're seeing a little more creativity and the competition is pushing that too so i think that it's good from that perspective but i think that's what uh that's why folks buy uh homebrew games because they want something a little different and interesting and like you said if they if it has a theme that they love and um say weird al for example like i don't i don't know if stern would do weird al because i don't think it would hit the numbers they wanted but for um multimorphic it's it's a it's perfect right because it's gonna it's gonna build their uh install base but not overwhelm them with orders probably to where the point where they can't handle it so it's like finding those themes that fit with the the audience that you have so um i think that's i think i think that's why folks get into these uh these smaller boutique companies we Um, really
0: messed up we i don't know how i i blame myself but when you were talking about what game are we going to review why do we why are we not reviewing halloween (laughs) Dude, I don't want to hear it from the spooky pinball
2: people, man. <laughs> the game's a 5 on a good day. <laughs> let's 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 give it a little more time cuz what what will happen no, is I'm people I like, want all three of those spooky pinball people come at me, bro. Yeah. They're, they're, everybody they're losing, will say they're losing. Well, the code's every... not done. You got to wait till the code's finished. So, <laughs> we'll give it some time. Ooh. Every release that spooky has, they lose fans. Yeah. Uh we'll, we'll give it give we'll give it, let it cook for a little bit longer <clears throat> and then we'll review it but <clears throat> excuse me one sec back to american pinball uh over here oh they 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 lost their their top uh programmer <laughs> josh Kugler is not with american pinball anymore um they are i don't know what they're gonna do <laughs> so if they hire more designers they lose more software developers they, they need some, they need some software folks I think they're they're running they're running low over there um so you gotta they got the good with the bad when it comes to uh, hires and fires um uh here here's a here's a good one this is uh sp- speaking of bad Nick have you seen these videos of Deep Root from Deep Root I have I'm gonna not. guess that you did not no okay well this we're all gonna enjoy this together so here we go <laughs> Robert from Beaver pulling out their playfield, showing their in-cabinet playfield rotisserie that you can spin around. And uh, oh, wait!
3: Stop
0: yep, the video's not showing. It's <laughs> not showing
2: my end, and as the chat is saying, so what? Oh, you missed it. Did we? Yeah. Let me uh, let me try that. Maybe if I play it in line. No, nope, that's not playing. Oh my god, I'm so disappointed. Why is that? Hmm. Well, there goes there goes my whole, there goes the whole reveal. Uh, actually, if I do this, let me bear with me. Oh, it's too soon. We'll put it in here. Let's see let's see if this works. There we go. What
3: the
4: fuck? <laughs>
0: Well, i don't know why you didn't have the bump 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 diddly, 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 diddly. little curb your enthusiasm thing at the end that's great
2: <laughs> that's totally what that is mm-hmm. uh-huh so there you go there's there's robert uh that if, if you're listening along at home that was him pulling out the play field they're showing off one of their many innovations where uh, you could like pivot the play field on a rotisserie that like pulled out of the machine. And so he pulls it out and it's pretty wobbly and janky. And then they go to put it back in and it just will not go back in the machine. And in the meantime, there's a guy in the back with his arms up, like, like victory. Like he, he told Ro- Robert, told him like, I want you to stand up back here and like get really enthusiastic, put your arms up in the air. And he just kept doing it while this play field was not going into the cabinet. Uh, it's it's just it's so indicative of all of the failures of this company. It's 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 ridiculous. Um, but th- this comes to us from uh, Nap Arcade. Let's see if we can uh, if I can. It's not letting me scroll down anymore. There we go. Wait, no, there's some you, good you... the
0: comments. Um, they said uh, Newavet says how would it spin with the electronics connected? And the response is Gorn nailed it. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. <laughs> Wildcat got Three hundred and thirty-seven little old ladies' pensions went into designing that. What a fucking
2: <laughs> shit show! So true, so
0: true. Uh, I I have such. I the more I hear about it, deeper the less I want to talk about it, and like just the the more hatred. It's so bad. It's it's so
2: sad. It's so bad. it's So bad. All right. Uh, so we we can go back to these. That was the main video I wanted to show you. There's some there's some other pictures and stuff. Um, that is there's a playfield. Um. RGB L E D that's not this is not updating. Uh Bam. Why is this not? Come on, Firefox, you can do it. Uh there? Okay. Is that working now? There we go. Okay. Is that gonna work? Yeah, True has curse the machine.
0: So people anything up. What we I love at, this. Uh, this is the, good because for the, uh, those on the podcast, what are what, for the, the listeners, idea. which is most people, what are we? What are we? What's going on on the screen? So
2: they, they're just showing a playfield uh, prototype. Yeah. Um. Excited for this new and I, I like my favorite part of this is the plunge that doesn't go all the way around most of the time. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um. There's some. Uh, they got RGBs. Oh my god, RGB lights, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, 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 machinery, doing machinery stuff. This all strikes me as um, they, them putting together footage to try to get more investment. Like showing off, like, oh, look at all this work we're doing. Look at all these innovations we have. We have all these machines that are doing cool stuff like CNC routing and stuff. Um, you know, this is probably the only time <laughs> these machines were ever used. There's just random parts, and so there you go. If you want to, if you want to see, uh, you want to see a big pile of junk, you can check that out at Nap Arcade. Um, but the the video, he, he, if you didn't see it live or you're not watching this on YouTube, you got to see the video of him trying to put that play field back in the machine. It was a, it, it's a winner. All right. So speaking of startups and Kickstarters and things like that, we the story dropped. Um, on April 18th, Dragon's Lair pinball production to start in 2023. So this is a, a homebrew machine, um, based on the Dragon's Lair video game from the eighties. And it's a cool looking game. Like the art looks really awesome and the, the layout's cool. And, um, I like the theme. Like I'm, I'm a fan of the old, uh, arcade game. So I was like, oh, cool. I like, uh, I like this. I don't like that. They're talking Kickstarter though. Cause they're talking about, um, they had a poll on their Facebook group asking if people would back a, a Kickstarter for this machine. So there is a thread on Pinsight about it to which I asked, do we even know if they actually have the license to use this theme or will be this be predator all over again? So if you remember predator, uh, skit B claimed to have the license for predator from Fox. Turns out they didn't, they were building machines and they got to see and desist. So, uh, Trabo sixty nine from Pinside uh, decided to cut right to the chase, and he emailed them, and they said, uh, "Nope, <laughs> they don't have it." And then, you know, two days later, Dragon's Lair pinball project has been paused due to lack of license. Um, so the the group got um, there's a, a a post from a lawyer on the Dragon's Lair pinball group. This is not a licensed project. As for counsel as counsel for Dragon's Lair LLC, the parties are instructed to cease and desist any use of the images, content, or other aspects of the Dragon's Slayer games, and not mention of affiliation or license as these do not exist. So, ah, uh, busted. <laughs> Someone got busted. Busted. They couldn't even get their scam off the ground. <laughs> it's a shame, too, because, like, it, if you want to make a homebrew game for yourself, make it, right? And then if you want to, so they're, they're doing it, in a better order than Ballarama, right? Like, they, he's he's made a machine. Here's a machine. Uh, if you want to bring it to production, you've put all this work in, why wouldn't you secure the license before you start talking about Kickstarters and taking people's money?
0: Dude, everybody has done it better than Ballarama. That's the lowest bar in pinball history. Look at um, Iron Galactus 07 had a, a good question in chat. Uh, it does beg the question, has there ever been a, a successful Kickstarter for pinball? The
2: answer is, no, there has not. Because it's an it's a ill-conceived idea, it doesn't work. Yeah, you would need so much money from a Kickstarter to to get a pinball company off the ground that it it would never work. The only one, the only pinball-related Kickstarters I can think that did work were the ones for um, Firesight Studios getting the licenses to Pinball Arcade, but that's a whole different ball game. They were an established company, they're already making these digital recreations of the games. Um, and they just need the money to make the license. It's a a whole different market. You're making video games, not pinball machines, but that's, that's the uh, apples to a fucking bowling balls. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. So two, two different, but that's the, that's the only pinball related one that I can think of that, that actually did work. Um, so you go, sorry, dragon's lair. Um, get the license and bring that game out and then, you know, maybe we'll see the other thing is okay. You get the license. You get the Kickstarter money. Who's building these games? <laughs> it's, it's so, there's like like we saw the multi stuff earlier. Like, you got to buy all these parts. So you have to put all this money into to build your inventory. Then you have to hire people to assemble them and then ship them out. And customer support on the other side, software updates. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> Kickstarter's not going to get you there.
0: We're going to change this podcast to Pinball's Hard. Because it's the same shit every... It's like Groundhog Days. These dummies trying to do stuff and not working. And it's like, it never ends. It's never going to end, Kevin. You realize this. there's always going to be somebody who's like, I got it. I got it. I'm new. I'm new. And I got it. I got it. I'm going to do it. That's it.
2: Yeah. And speaking of, uh, it's time. It's the Ballarama pinball feature list. Are you ready? Dude, I didn't even do that on purpose. (laughs) All right. So this was March twenty second. Uh, hi, long waiting pinball fans. At last, the feature list is here for our game. Sure, it's not the game itself yet, but hopefully there will be enough for you to enough you see interesting to keep us in mind for when we launch. That is what they wrote. Sorry. Uh, hopefully, you'll also see there's enough we're working on to understand it doesn't happen overnight. Get alongside us and ask questions. Commenting on our socials. Joining and commenting on our Facebook discussion group or requesting a chat on our website calendar. Be part of the rest of our development journey, but above all, enjoy pinball. All right. Are you ready for the feature list? No. Here we go. The feature list is here. Collectors edition specs. So they've got like the cabinet size. Who cares? Uh, 15.6 inch LCD back box. That's like stern size, I think. Cause JJP is like 27 inch. Uh, Backlight art size, uh, twenty by twenty. Like, who cares how big your translate is? Who cares? RGB LED playfield lighting strips, cool. Everybody does that. Um, RGB LEDs on all playfield inserts. Stereo. It's got a headphone jack with volume control. Two point one stereo sound. A black. It's got black body armor. Oh my god, this is amazing. Premium coated, three M scratch resistant playfield. Wow. Uh, reflection limited re- reflection. So it's got invisible glass. Uh, high, it has high detail cabinet art And four players Four people can play the Spinball Machine Four people Oh my god such innovation That's the LE That's the collector's edition Special features Limited to 300 machines only Numbered plaque if, in order of sign up So get in early if you want that low number um, Or chosen number if still available Every buyer's name included on all machines Unless the buyer prefers their name left off the list Animated topper. Oh my god. Variable backlit black, backlight art. So it's got RGB lights before behind their backlight, their translate. Uh, four attack fighters, lit and semi animated. Okay, whatever that is. Animatronic spaceship ball lock. Um plunger with three skill shot choices. Oh my god, five spinners, six flippers. <laughs> six flippers, five spinners. Five, it, this is just like, let's put more stuff on this machine and that'll make it better. Uh, 12 targets. One, three bank, two level flipper targets, a pinball first. Th- oh, sorry. Let's, let, let's parse that out. It's a three bank, two level flipper target. So is it a, uh, is it like a drop target that is on, there's drop targets on two levels. And if you hit one, they both go down. I don't know. I don't know. One inverted drop backflip target. Okay. Two level bumper assemblies. Pinball first. Um, Two kickers, up kickers, subterranean transfer, a subway. Up posts, a magna grab. Extensive uh, upper playfield. Two inner playfield scoops. Six ball multi-ball. Three release simultaneously on each playfield. That's a pinball first, ladies and gentlemen. 12 Pinballs, six balls installed, and six spares provided. Wow, thanks. Oh, we got fine print. You ready to read the fine print? It says, okay. Now, we would be silly not to include the clause that specification is subject to change at manufacturer's discretion. So here it is. But we will not lessen the complexity and challenge of what we provide, only the combination of items. None of the pinball firsts would ever be omitted. If that doesn't stoke your confidence, I don't know what will. Bluetooth and Wi Fi connectivity. Automatic fault finding and reporting online and local pinball first. Is it though? I think pretty sure it's Cern connected insider is going to do that. Um, inbuilt solenoid protection, total led color balance control, online game updates, online control of your machine settings, online high scores and tournaments, or a system that gives you all the real advances. Oh my God. Like think of just like the online stuff, all the, that you have to have servers and maintain all that. Like, No small company is going to be able to do all this. All right. Some food for thought. One of the multi-ball challenges included. How long can you keep three balls in both play fields? Tick, tick, tick. We can see what you're thinking, but during multi-ball, flippers have only limited hold-on time. Stay with us and be part of the remainder of our journey as we finish developing these new challenges. Oh, yes. And a name and sample back box art is coming soon. Cannot wait. Ballorama, everybody. How hype are you? makes so hype he has nothing to say
0: i really don't at this point like i just this is i see my life i'm just you know a little hello darkness my old friend moment as i just think about wasting a breath on this nonsense this is is just (laughs) stupid so dumb all right anyways let's wait to wait to the pictures it's just you know uh, why am i watching a movie where i know how it ends
2: (laughs) they they had a they had a website problem too they had a glitch they weren't able to add people to their wait list, so they have ninety five people on their wait list, but the website is having a problem, so they don't know why. Uh, but they're going to so build in uh, uh, all, you know, more things to Bluetooth, instill confidence. the internet connectivity. Okay, yeah, right. but yeah, but, but they're going to have online leaderboards and head-to-head play and all sorts of stuff like that. So there you go, a Ballorama. Yeah. Thank you, Ballarama. Uh, we love you very much. Uh, please don't rip everybody off. All right, uh, let's give some first impressions of pinball machines. Okay first impressions big bold letters we're talking about games we played first impressions not a review okay so uh i'll start off with weird Al. um i've still uh, one of few who have uh, gotten a chance to play it if you unless you were able to see it at a show um super impressed with this game so i flew down to um, texas to do the stream when we got there we went to the multimorphic building and i i just got to play this game for myself and I played it for an hour, over hour and a half. And I, I was just lost in the game. It was so good. Um, had me pressing start again, trying to discover everything, figure it out. Um, the guys were like, do you want us to tell you what to do? I said, no, I want to, I want to explore and, and experiment and figure it out for myself. And I just had a blast, man. It's, uh, it's packed that upper play field has a ton of stuff in it. The, so it's a, a cool, cool mix of like the digital play field and tons of interactive max. So it's got the, the UHF ball lock on there where you can lock balls in the count, cam- uh, camera. It's got the, the Harvey uh, hamster wheel where you can lock balls in there and it, they spin around and it, it shoots out of there. There's the upper play field where you can do the, the baloney sandwich building, which is super fun. Uh, and that's where also where you shoot the uh, UHF ball lock. Um, trying to think what else this is all the ramps the ramps do really cool stuff so the right ramp if you shoot it up there it'll there's a magnet on there that can either accelerate the ball up the ramp kind of like cosmic Cart racing does on the right ramp or it can uh drop it back down the wire form uh i like that it's got a cross play field wire form too that it gives you kind of some more stuff down low on the play field um and uh the art's really cool the the modes are fun uh the 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 modes make good use of the the screen like there's one the I'm thinking of germs where that's kind of like rocks where you have to like hit the weird L germs and then the 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 uh walls go down and then you have a multi-ball frenzy after that the uh I don't know man it's just super fun I I cannot wait to get this game I'm super super stoked um weird now I can't say enough good things about it and I uh the folks down there I can't say enough good things about uh the fine folks at Multimorphic uh um they're Gracious hosts and great to have me down there. And uh it was really cool to see behind the scenes. So to see all the uh the the um the play fields they were building and all the inventory they had and and then they posted like the week after the the stream that it uh you know they had even more parts coming in these massive bins. So they're they're set with parts, they just gotta get uh machine to put these things together or uh um staff to put these things together. So uh they're coming together. So Hopefully I'll have mine soon and we can do some more streams. But in the meantime, you can check out the archive of the stream on our YouTube channel, uh, Buffalo pinball on YouTube and check that out. Uh, all right. We've played some other games. We played Halloween. We can give some, some thoughts on that. You wanted to review it, but we can at least give our impressions, right? So you, I was surprised by how positive you were about the game. It's, it seemed like you were having a good time with it. I don't know how you got that impression. Um well you said it, it shot great. You, you know, maybe you are just doing no. a did I say courteous guest Did I say great? Yeah. I or think you drunk. said it was the best shooting spooky game, I think. That's Kevin,
0: that's not saying anything. <laughs> that's literally like um that's there's a difference between saying it's the best shooting spooky game and it shoots great. Maybe I was I was drinking a little bit, so I don't know. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so I've heard nothing but bad things about this game and like people canceling their orders and sacrificing like $500 deposits just to get out of it. And then like with the current economics of pinball, it's like every game is like going up and selling for more than you can, you know, get even while it's still in production, except for Halloween. <clears throat> and so my buyer was really low on playing it. And I expected the game to be like a clunky mess and it wasn't, I, I, I thought it shot pretty good. excuse me so um you know the the playfield layout was was fine like um i think it might be their their best shooting game again that's not saying much uh where it falls apart is just like there's quality control issues it broke during the stream of course it did um the presentation on the game is absolutely terrible like the audio is absolutely terrible absolutely terrible in my book like the narration like the sound you could hear like the um um call outs and stuff. like you hear the guy like puff, 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 puffing into the mic kind of deal like it's just super amateurish the um video super amateurish it's just like a hodgepodge of clips from the the movie you start seeing the same thing over versus also like Animation that would be terrible for a mobile game, um and then the rules were just kind of like, yeah, like does zero for me in in terms of rules, so um yeah, it's just not it's just again, why buy this game when you can buy Godzilla, or you know, they just reran Deadpool or Mandalorian or rush, like or potentially if toy story is good right like why why buy that game where it's falling apart it's got really just not good rules terrible presentation i i don't know i mean I, and the only answer is i love you know somebody who loves Halloween and is, has to have a halloween pinball machine but that's the only real compelling reason i can say i i, I got that like i get it but i don't know i don't i don't like it it's not good um in a world where there's there's better competitors out there. It's a lot of money to throw at something like that.
2: So I first played it when I went out to James's uh, a couple of weeks ago. And like you, I heard not good things about it. Saw the sales where folks were, you know, basically giving away $2,000 to, to so they're giving their, their $2,000 deposit away to get out of buying this game. So I'm like, well, this, this must be a real disaster. Um, so when I stepped up to it, expectations were low and uh so first impressions were it's a really cool looking game uh the art is really good on it the play field itself is packed it's got i was like wow there's a lot in here right and everything in here looks really good it's got sculpts on there it's not it doesn't look like cheesy 3d printed stuff the one the one thing that struck me as super cheesy is the the massive knife over the the uh, shooter lane that wobbles because it's only got one um screw holding it in place i was like uh, that's pretty bad, but I I get it. It's like you know, it's his knife from the movie or whatever. Um, uh, a full disclosure: Nick and I are not Halloween fans. We I don't think either one of us have seen that movie, so um, we don't have that driving our our uh perspe- perception of this game. Um, I thought the upper playfields were interesting, uh, but. And they're better than, like, I think of, like, Rob Zombie, the upper playfield on that. Not not real good. Um, the, the shots on him are pretty cool. I like when he, you, sh- you shoot up, and then you got to try to uh, shoot the spinners and then shoot it all the way across. So there's a lot to do up there, and it's an interesting layout. But, you know, my real concern with this game is the code. Um, They have very limited resources with code. Sounds like they're doing some hiring, but they're trying to develop two games at once, Halloween and Ultraman completely different rule sets with a very uh with so, you know, they've got Bug doing the the rule sets this is his first as far as I know, it's his first uh time doing rule sets on machines. Uh they have Fosma who is their main coder on this game, which I haven't been impressed with his other games, like um Rob Zombie he did. Uh I can't remember what other um spooky game he's done. So I think that's where this game really needs help if they could get the presentation and the code improved i think it's got a shot to be an okay game but they uh i don't have the confidence that that's gonna happen because you know with rick and morty they said there was gonna they were gonna add more uh more episodes and more adventures and things like that along the way that never happened Alice cooper just kind of you know when they were done with that they move on to whatever's next and that's, that's the reality of these, these small companies, man. They got to they gotta move on to the next game so they can sell a bunch more games and keep everybody employed. So they, yeah, can't, dude, they like, don't the, have the resources to, to invest in these old games. The
0: game's so. been out for a while. You were playing. You, yeah. you legit tilted out of the game. First of all, there's not a, this is fucking ridiculous. There's not even a tilt warning sound. Like, that's like Pinball 101. Like, it's so weird. Like, you play and there's no tilt warning sound. You don't even know like, what's going on because you're not looking at the screen. Then you're like, you've tilted. Mm -hmm. okay so that's just just like that's just like how the fuck is, is that a thing at this point it's not like it came out yesterday right um but then like you found a bug where you tilted but you got to keep on playing the game was letting you play even though it's like tilting like so it's just like this is just like inexcusable amateur hour like why would you buy these games like i don't get like these games are like for people who like like kind of like pinball but not like super like pinball like nerdy like us and they like the theme and it looks like the game looks okay like it like sitting in a game room i'm sure it looks okay and if and it and i'm not shitting on somebody like that that's perfectly fine i think that's like how i would articulate to somebody somebody i knew is like didn't own a pinball machine or wasn't as into pinball like us where we like you know no stacking right or we talk about the rule (laughs) set and stuff and they're like i am a huge halloween fan it's like yeah i'd be like what you need to go know going into this is that the build quality is maybe a little questionable but hey like you might have a lot of fun with it you know right. but again i'd be like if you like some of the themes from stern i would just buy a stern game instead hands down
2: <laughs> sounds fair to me um you didn't play valhalla yet did you
0: no because james sold it within the week <laughs>
2: you know i was thankfully i got out there to play it before he's like i gotta get rid of this thing i can't st- <laughs> oh my god i've i've never heard him react to a game like the way he did it with this because i stepped up to it and i really liked it at first i was like this shoot's great it's like super fun so if you don't know legends of valhalla from american pinball uh developed by riot pinball it was a uh a homebrew game that american pinball uh brought in house and decided to build um the shots on it are really cool like the the side ramp and the shot into the ship and um it's an interesting layout that still shoots really really well and that that's hard to do right um the cabinet and and uh playfield art is okay it's comic booky style like cartoony style but it's like the coloring on it isn't real really well professionally done um so it's kind of like middle of the road art wise um that animations on the screen are horrendous. they you, you put animations in quote because they if you think about it, Avengers where they had like a still image of one of the Avengers and it just like flies around the screen. It's kind of like that, but even worse. It's like I always think of the one there's one of the characters that you pick, one of the battles you pick, and it's just like this woman and she shakes. shakes. Dude, is it worse than
0: the so, animations on Halloween? Because Halloween tries to do that shit too. It takes like a it's, static it's image and it just similar. moves it around like it's jerks similar, it around. I
2: think it's similarly bad, but I think Valhalla is worse.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Spooky. There you go. There's a there's
2: a win. This <laughs> is mark mark one for Spooky. Um. And so I've only played it a handful of times. So my takeaway was, that's pretty cool. Maybe. Yeah, I could see myself getting this. This maybe this would be my first American football game because I I like shooting it and the theme is interesting. Uh, it's an original theme, so it's gonna hold back sales, but. Um at least it's like Vikings and stuff. It's like cool whatever you're having battles with Norse uh, gods and things like that. Cool. Uh but <laughs> James is just like the rules are terrible on this game and he gets the, he so he was describing to me like one of the things you have to do I I'm probably going to get the specifics of this wrong, but one of the things you have to do to get to the end of the game is um roll over the the inlanes at the top. Right? Uh, and you have to do that a certain number of times before you can get to the end of the game. There's no shot that feeds those lanes. So you wow. have to like build up uh, the Thor's hammer, which is you 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 shoot a certain like six combos to activate that. And then if you shoot the shot and the you activate the hammer and it doesn't catch the ball, you have to shoot and the, it's like it's basic stuff like that that. And he's, he's like, he's been emailing with them and he's like, he's not confident that they're going to, um, get this into a place where, you know, any of this makes sense. So, and there, there's these other modes where it's like, I forget what they're called, but you start playing and it's like, Oh, you started this battle. So it's like, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do this battle and it doesn't like do anything. <laughs> he's, he's like, Oh, they said it's just a, uh, a mode to practice your shots. Like it, there, there's no like increasing value, there's no like jackpots in it, it's like rules that make no sense at all. So, uh, again, I think software is such a huge part of the homeowner experience. Like, this is if you want to put this in a location and people play it a couple times and they walk away, it's fine. But if you're going to have this in your house and, and really get into these deep rule set games, this is you're you're not going to find what you want out of these games. So, um Valhalla a a rush. first impression. Buy Godzilla.
0: <laughs> yeah, buy Mandalorian. Don't buy these other games. Yeah. That's so that's that's professional advice.
2: So Nuavet, I don't think Bowden's gonna fix those rules because um, when you bring in a, a third party, you know, they're kind of like locked in their own world. They've developed this game on their own. And it's hard to get in there and and, you know, exterior coders when you know, from what, what I understand, like he's, he's coded this whole game. Nobody else at American Pitball can really code on top of what he's done. That's, that's what, uh, that's, that's what I took away from that. So, yeah, Jesus,
0: they don't have somebody who can fix this mess.
2: Yeah. Well, I I guess it's just like, you know, he's, he's coded it in such a way that I'm not a coder. I don't know. So, uh, uh, you know, I did basic when I was in elementary school. It's like, You know, if you comment your code and you you write good code, then maybe somebody else can work on it. But otherwise, it's like this stream of consciousness uh, stuff that you know only you will really understand how it all works, and it's hard for somebody else to get in there and fix it up. So,
0: well, dude, um, I mean, maybe uh, maybe American Pinball will hire you if you've got that background, Kevin, because it sounds like there's that's more than what's over there right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So the API tester said Riot's code was complete spaghetti. There you go. Don't (laughs) thanks it, flip. Oh, yeah, and then they had Josh Coogler and they fired him, so he can't do it. (laughs) So, good job, Dave. All right, so, yeah, Valhalla. Proceed with caution on that one. Uh, It it seems cool at first, but maybe not. Maybe not so much. All right. Uh, We won a Twippy. Did we, though? No, we didn't really. Uh, Thanks to everybody who voted for us in the Twippies. We never ask for votes. We don't talk about the Twippies. It's just like, whatever. Uh, But the fact that enough people vote that we make the finalists every year is uh, is awesome and uh it means you guys value what we do and you appreciate the show and that's cool um but we got it we got the we got got the um the participation award this year this is the first time they've sent these out to you finalists no, because what happens nice. the 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 media creator categories are dumb because the same people keep winning all the time because they have the biggest audiences or the most ravenous audiences are the people they can really get rallied up to go out there and vote so um i guess this is their way of saying oh here yeah you too i guess
0: yeah thanks for thanks for uh it's nice of you guys to vote for us kevin and i make a conscious decision not to ask people to vote and so it's a nice surprise when we still can get mentioned in that that's uh and and there's a last I, I think i checked the other day and there's um I think it's like 8,750 pinball podcasts. So um, <laughs> we're doing pretty good.
2: We're doing all Appreciate right.
0: Appreciate that. Yeah. Um speaking of the Twippies, uh I have a kind of principle of not um criticizing content makers. I think I'm gonna talk up ab- so this is gonna be filtered, but I I'd be remiss not to say something about the Twippie Awards. Um, I forced myself to watch it. I literally forced myself to watch it because I was curious from the red carpet on. I don't think I even got to where we got mentioned for the award, to be honest, Kevin. Um, I had to give up. The entire thing was just very cringe. And I don't want to call out one thing in particular or one person in particular because I, I don't... I, I think people do things outside of that and that's fine. Um, but I think everything about that Twippy thing is an embarrassment for pinball. And honestly, I wish they wouldn't do it anymore. I, um, someone who cares a lot about pinball, like if that's what you're going to come up with, you really need to look at it and watch it and be like, we, you got to do better or don't do it at all. I think that's your and I philosophy with, with things, Kevin. It's like, if we can't do a good job of it, it's like all or nothing and um it, it was it was bad it was really 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 painful to watch martha was getting upset with me she's like why are you watching this I was like, it's like a test of wills and i was just <laughs> like i can't fucking do it i can't fucking do it this is terrible it was it was it was putting me in such a bad mood so um yeah please do better or don't do it like it's a bad look for pinball
2: it's it's just the idea of awards for pinball machines every year is weird too because every category it's the same like three games and godzilla wins everything and there's so little well we've talked about it in the the way we've done the podcast like we do podcasts once a month because that's like all there is to talk about there's there's not this industry does not produce that that many machines there's not that much content do we really need pinball awards at all like do we need them i don't think we do if, you, if you're gonna do it keep it just for industry stuff so but it was a, it was just machines.
0: super unprofessionally done yeah like it was just like done with zero self-awareness outside of like a small sphere of people who probably are patting themselves on the back and saying that was great like but like zero self-awareness and it's just not it's embarrassing it's
2: embarrassing it's so. embarrassing as coach would say from uh letter County, it's embarrassing all right, let's move on. I, I, I handled on. that as best as that was, that was filtered. Yeah, <laughs> good job. Uh, let's talk about game room updates. We've both got some stuff going on in our game room So the the most recent thing that I did was uh, I got my PinVision for Tron. I know you saw um, Patrick's right—the screen that goes in the back. Yeah, that's that's kind
0: of cool. It's kind of yeah, cool. I got mine yesterday. You got one, and I installed okay. it last
2: night. How much was that? Um, it's i think six hundred dollars oof <laughs> uh yeah it's not cheap but you know it's less than a topper <laughs> Gorin, i don't know it does add something. <laughs> well, turn uh-huh. off the dude don't get distracted yeah. by him <laughs> there, time him out there now now gordon's not gonna be distracted by that so uh i installed it last night let's just say this would not be a nick lane friendly installation it's it's pretty involved you have to
0: All right, for those listening, Kevin just got up and exited the stream. <laughs> you, you have
2: to pull the backboard out of your machine and then replace it with this screen. And, uh, there's a lot of wiring. Plus, I already have a lot of crap in my Tron. I, I have so many mods in that thing, dude. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, you relocate your... It's optional, but I, I chose to relocate my uh, light cycle so they don't block the screen. Um and then, what else did I have to do? Oh, there's a—you uh, run a power cable to the service outlet. You install a board in the back box. Um, run a bunch of cables, and then uh, you're off and running. Easy peasy. Um, all the software is already in there. The uh, so once it, once you have everything connected and, and installed, you just turn it on and, and it goes. It's really cool, man. It is an awesome mod. It's not an easy install, but uh, if you have a Tron and, you know, (laughs) my wife was asking me how much it was, and I told her, and she's like, people aren't going to buy that. I was like, oh yeah, they will. Don't worry worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) People who have this game have already spent exponentially more than that in mods, most likely, uh, and they're going to throw this one in there too, so highly recommend it. It's from 86 pixels. Jimmy Lippham and uh it's got animations from Steven Silver, who did uh who does a lot of work with uh multimorphic. He was the creative director on Weird Al and Heist. So um check it out. Uh if you got a Tron, man, you can that's the one game I feel like you never have too many mods in. It's like and and it seems to be like the one game that people are willing to pay for mods once you put it in there a lot of games you put in mods in and then people are like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but if people will pay more for a modded outtron. So cool. Check that out. So that, that was my most recent project. Um, I've been, you know, the rumor is that there's a new JJP on the way. So I've been thinking about what to sell to make room and money for that. So it's going to be either Hobbit or Wonka, I think. Um, and, but my son, my son has started playing and he prefers Wonka. So it's probably gonna end up being Hobbit. Which I would I would go the other way, personally. But uh, if he's into the game, I'm happy to to keep it because either it could go either way. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, but it'll probably end up being Hobbit. So if anybody wants a really nice Hobbit, hit me up. And um, what else? Uh, I got 16 quintillion points on Guns and Roses. Did you see that, <laughs> Nick? Yeah, I didn't watch <laughs> it, but I, I I saw the post. Yeah yeah speaking of bugs i found one in guns and roses uh if you it's the um so if you haven't seen the video it's on youtube but if you go if you play the desert demolition mode so how this happened was i was trying to i was playing the game to try to get through the game so i was trying to play as safely as possible for progress which is not how i normally play that game i normally play it for big song jackpots and building up value and things like that so i was playing it differently than i normally would and i was like I wonder if you can time out this mode because there was a, a value in the lower left hand of the screen that was decreasing. I said, maybe if I get, maybe if that hits zero, the the mode times out and then I can move on. And what happened instead was that it put up this massive value. Once it hit zero, um, of it, in the quintillions of points. So I was like, well, now I got to see if I can collect that <laughs> value. So I spent the rest of the night trying to setting all that up, getting to the end of that mode. And then I eventually got it. And it, it gave me this ridiculous score, like the most points that have ever been scored in a pinball game. Um, but the, I've tried to do it since and it hasn't collected. It's given me zero for that value. It says uh, score bonus zero uh, or mode bonus zero, something like that. So there's some real weird specific set of circumstances that happened that, that let me actually collect that. So um, if you go out and you try to do it on your area, um, Guns and Roses, it might not work. Um but you can try it. It's pretty fun. If you can get it to happen, it's, a, it's super, super cool. The sad part is, is that Scorbit failed during that. It got really confused and didn't save my score. So I did, was not able to show how ridiculous Scorbit is by putting up 16 quintillion points as my high score. And then uh, with, them not, <laughs> with them not resetting scores between code updates, uh, it would have been really good. But I did put it on Pindigo at least because so, you manually put your, your points in on that one. So come at me, everybody all right so i'll uh, give two shout outs um shout out to the pinball lounge in uh just northeast of uh, orlando florida uh, so like i mentioned at the top of the show we did we made two trips recently the first was to uh multimorphic and then my family finally took a vacation for the first time in a few years we went to orlando and uh one of the nights we had some downtime, so my son and i went to the pinball lounge to play some pinball awesome collection of games lots of you know ryan uh, um, earlier in the, the show was talking about having a variety of games in your location. In this place definitely did. They had anything for EMs all the way up to the latest Sterns, JJP's, Spoogies. They had a uh, Rick and Morty. They had a uh, uh, rush, which they had just gotten. They had, which they had Wonka at least uh, for, for JJPs. But then we played like this game called Pharaoh, which I had never played. It was really cool. They had a sorts of fury. Um, they had Belly Williams games, some of the remakes, some originals. So, really well maintained, great um, enthusiast uh, run collection there. So, um, I was talking to one of the guys, and he said basically they there were enthusiast operators that had this room. It's in a bowling alley, and they were ro- operating all the machines in the the bowling alley side, or in the uh, in the game room side. And they ended up buying the whole bowling alley, so they they run the whole place now. So it's a really cool spot. So definitely check that out if you're in the area and oh the other thing was uh atlas pinball so these folks reached out to us on uh instagram uh he's an operator and a screen printer in boise idaho atlas pinball um sent us some shirts he's like i'm a a fan of the show i want to want to send you some stuff so uh this one's next i'm gonna get it to him when he uh when we see each other next but nice shirt if you need some shirts made check that those guys out if you're in boise put some money in his machines um that's all for game room updates for me nick what have you been doing you've been shaking yeah. up your lineup or p-
0: soon right yes yeah, so i'm gonna i'm gonna start off with an apology I, i'm not gonna have time to to stick around and do a review of no fear so it might be <sighs> just a kevin review or we'll uh do it next time so it's, i'll leave that we'll to next discussion. Time. I, we're, we're creeping up on a two-hour podcast which is uh it's it's been a good one i just didn't anticipate that so i, I apologize um yeah so god it's 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 been a lot. So I got a bunch of Insider Connected for my games. Um, I got one for Deadpool and Black Knight and um, what the hell is it called? Um, Led Zeppelin. So thanks to Zach Many. Again, good guy. By the way, let me slip this plug in there for you. I forgot about this. Listen, I don't care what distributor you guys go to, but... If your distributor doesn't help you when there's a problem, that's their one job, right? Like if, if you need something from your distributor, you reach out to them. If they're not responsive and they don't help you, that is a fucking terrible distributor. And that's the experience I had. You might be able to figure out who that distributor is. It's something I use for other other games and another thing I do in pinball. I don't want to call out something in particular, but I just want to say that um, Zach has been awesome and make sure and and you don't know how good your distributor is until you need something, by the way. So um, let that be a good lesson for everybody. But yeah, so I got those I put them in, it was easy to do. Um, As people were saying, the stickers are really easy to take off. So good job, whatever Stern used for their stickers. um, Really like it, they're really durable, they come off easy, they they stick on the new arch. So so that was a total success. Um, I decided I don't know if I said this last time, I decided to sell dialed in. I think it's going to get picked up, um, from Matt Taylor, who's a local guy next week. And, um, then I <clears throat> just last week decided to sell Deadpool just cause I wanted to mix things up. I, I, I've not been good about mixing things up in my library. Um, you know, I've been like in this accumulation phase, but I was like, I, I want to keep things fresh. And uh, I've been enjoying Mandalorian pinball because we've got one on route and we have one in my work office now. And as more time I spend with the game, I I really like it. And I think that Dwight really crushed it on the rules. I think this is like his best game that I've played from him. Um, there's more there in the game than I thought there was. So I think at some point we'll do like a Mandalorian pinball revisited. Because I've got two pros that I have access to, I decided to get the premium um, because why not? So I, I'll talk in depth more when I spend some time with it, um, but I really, really liking that game. And um, the person who's buying my Deadpool, I guess this is going to be his first game. So what a great first pinball machine to have. I mean, Deadpool, it's like everybody has a Deadpool. It's a great game. So I think it's like a total win. And then I'm supposed to get my Rush premium in June. So June could be a really good pinball month. Um, You know, of course, I'm going to have new inbox woes. So, you know, there's going to be probably an enraged Nick um, next after I get those two games. But, you know, it's uh, goes to the territory. I I think uh, I think I caught everything. Oh, I'm supposed to talk about Insider Connected. Nick Kaiser asked me to talk about that. Yeah. So I I like Insider Connected, but there's a huge caveat. I think the I'm I'm glad Cern's doing it. Um, I find, Kevin, that like, you know, I've got, you know, dialed in which I can, they have their own kind of version of, of using um, QR codes and stuff. I never, like, I never use that anymore. Like I never log into it, but I always will log into Stern Insider Connected. And I think it is like, they were wise, even though you got to spend money, they were wise to put that kit front and center because it's, so, it's so in my face. It's so hard to ignore. That's easy enough for me to do. The problem that I have with Insider Connected is that this thing has been out since the fall. And they talked a good game about like, oh, operators can do this and that. So I've I've really been waiting for that functionality for operators because I envision being able to run tournaments. Well, not tournaments, but like, um, you know, some we had somebody in our community ask about doing a selfie league, and and like, you know how a pain in the ass it is to do a selfie league, Kevin. Nobody's no when times were good, people stopped playing in it, right? Yep. Um. It's like Plus there's like the coordination with the venue in terms of like getting to the market, hype it up. And you don't want to just do all that work for four people to play because then my locations look at me and say, what the fuck? Right. Especially if I get them to give prizes and stuff. So I've been waiting for to have the functionality and in insider connected where I can have like a monthly tournament and Stern's doing this. I mean, they're going to shows. I think they did it at, um, um, was it was MGC two weeks ago where they were, they were advertising that, you know, you, you log in they had a leaderboard and shows your initials and it keeping your score. Like why as an operator, do I not have that functionality? I think George Gomez had been talking in the previous, uh, about like being able to, as an operator set up, like, Hey, play, you know, Mandalorian pinball three times this week and you get a prize or, you know, you get this. And that's the kind of like creative stuff I want to do with my venues. And I've been talking about that with them because it, it takes a lot of like the legwork out and, and often for diminishing returns. And I I just I, I don't get it, guys. Like, I, I think Stern's really bad at this. I'm not sure why they released this thing when it's really premature. It only has achievements. And nothing else. And there was a discussion. There's a, a Facebook group for operators and routers and, and somebody posted about, is it worth getting it? And these things are $200 a pop. And the general consensus is, is like, no, there's no ROI on it. Like, it's cool for like half a second. And then because there's so limited functionality in it, that it might as well not exist. So I wish Stern was just better about like their timeframes in terms of when they released it, that should have been around the corner. You know, it should have been maybe a month later that functionality was there. It's clearly implemented. I don't know why they've not turned it on for the operators and even that's pretty basic, but it gives us something. I wish there was more or at least communicate as to, to the operators. When are we going to get this stuff? What's your roadmap for it? Um. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed ab- about it. I have not purchased any for our, business because there's no roi on it right now. there's no i don't want to push people onto this platform when it's so limited and just achievements i will go through the effort of marketing and pushing it and educating the you know business owners where my games are located about the system when i can actually fully use it and until then it's just a waste of time i think
2: yeah it's it from what i've heard it doesn't really increase plays on location right now any either so like even if you have it in a machine it's not resulting in more more coin drop uh for the people who do use it right so uh you can't you can't say yeah it's worth it because i i increase my plays 10 percent after i put it on the machine or whatever you know
0: and if it doesn't do that as an operator then what's the business case
2: right? (laughs) right like
0: why does it exist Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Doug Polka was saying, like, I, I didn't realize this, so you could set it up so it will automatically download code at a, like a certain time, mm. w- w- which is cool. I had a game locked lock up when it would try to download it from the Wi-Fi because maybe the Wi-Fi is not great. So I just d- still do it manually when I'm there to collect. Um, That's something, you know, I can see like plays allegedly, but somebody was also saying those plays aren't accurate. So I really don't. There's no as an operator, there's no reason to get this thing now. And that's on stern and again we're like nine months into this 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 what the fuck is going on guys at least communicate as a business owner because this causes problems for me i, I have my business partners they're saying hey why don't you do a selfie league we had a, a league member reach out and say that he's interested in a selfie league and like then i've got to kind of go through all this and i'm, I'm happy to explain it but um the way it should be done is is an insider connected that's the that's the answer to to this and especially with the tight economics going on now with pinball going up in price less people going out because of covid i mean pinball is down i need a win somewhere right and and, and i need them to throw me a bone and let the insider connected can, can be that bone that can help me get people engaged in pinball and get people playing it and facilitate running this like rather three people p- play or 30 people play it doesn't change the workload for me you know like I can do it every month if only three people played I can still run that in some capacity right it's just I'm not going
2: to go through the effort until uh that's ready though yeah did you see there's a uh here let me pull this up there's a, a LinkedIn post for an insider connected job <laughs> well that's scary because yeah. like a director of I- director of product management for uh, insider connected well, they have they
0: have like the bones of it created, right? Like yeah. it's there, it's doing this thing. It, the physical kits exist; they're out there. It's connecting the internet. Um, clearly, they have the functionality where they're able to have multiple people log in and, and run a tournament and score. So, I, I, I don't know, you know. I and I think it's it's frustrating to not be communicated with because really, in software and things like this, um, companies usually communicate with with their customers, you, you, like you think about a video game and there's like a roadmap for the development or what if, if it's in early access, like what features are gonna be added and when, and if there's delays, they come out and explain it, but Stern, Stern doesn't do that. So it leads to frustration. And it, and it set, when it comes out in the fall, you have the expectation that, hey, a month or two, we're gonna have this. We still don't, and there seems to be no end in sight. So again, I, can, I, I would recommend to anybody who's an operator and thinking about it, don't waste your money on this shit yet. If you have a home question and you want to get it, it still has super limited functionality, like adding a friend is stupid. Like the way it works is stupid. Like I should be able, if I know Kevin's um, name on there, I should be able to add Kevin and Kevin should get a notification that we want to be friends on there, but that's not how it works. It just, I have to manually enter Kevin's name. I have to make sure I get the capitalization right on Kevin's name. And then I can kind of just follow him, but Kevin doesn't know he's being followed by me. Um, I had to then call him up and tell him my name or text him it's just like it's really basic right now and it, and it can be something really good and I believe it can be something really good and I believe with Zach many saying it can be something good George gomez has, has said it could be something good but right now i can't can't recommend spending any money on this product
2: yeah you gotta th- on one hand i'm I'm like well they've invested all of this into this platform they're gonna stick with it and make it work but at some point they might just cut their losses and be like, all right, this didn't work. Let's move on. So it's so hard to know right now. So I think you I think your recommendation is good in that, you know, it's <clears throat> it's like buying pinball machines in, in general. Like, yeah, you can buy a pinball machine that has incomplete software, but you know, there's never a guarantee that it's going to get completed. So if you like what's there now, grab it. If not, then, you know, uh, don't bet on the future because it might not, it might not come.
0: Yeah. I, I, I personally don't see this thing going away. Right. I think it's, I think the, our, quote unquote committed to it but it's the way they're going about it and communicating it is really frustrating and it should be more of a priority um because this is not like a supply shortage thing kind of deal like this is this is this is software you've got it mostly there so um yeah don't buy it now put and 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 give certain feedback while you're not buying it now like that you like it like it's not like a bad thing you like it you want it it's just like where's where's you said you're going to deliver on something. Where is it and when is it coming? Just at least give us that much.
2: Agreed. <clears throat> so a couple of quick Buffalo updates. We have league finals coming up May 21st. Uh, we're going to be streaming it here on the Buffalo Pinball Twitch channel. So if you want to see some competitive pinball action with some of Buffalo's finest, uh, tune in then. It's going to be 5 p.m. Eastern time on May 21st. We've also got our, our team league has resumed, which has been a lot of fun. Um I forgot how fun team league it was. it was. You asked me how the first night went. I was like, I really had fun. So thank you to Matt, uh, our league member for, for putting that together. It's been, uh, it's been nice Patrick. to, and, and Patrick. Yeah. For, uh, um, t- it's always nice when somebody else is like, I want to, I want to run this and Nick and I could just go and play and have fun. So um always appreciate that. So uh, like Nick said, uh, we'll get to the no fear review next month uh and but in the meantime don't go anywhere because we have a brand new episode of Topper Talk with Goren he violated the rules and went way over his 3 to 5 minutes but it's a good one he's going to be talking with Ryan McQuaid from uh well now of American Pinball but from uh, Sonic Spinball uh fame about toppers so yeah i'm going to uh, i'm going to peace out so <laughs> enjoy thank you guys we'll see you next month yep uh f- be sure to follow us on social media uh, send us an email talkpinball at gmail.com uh, if you got feedback or want to know anything in in between if you want to support the channel uh twitch prime is a great way to do it no extra charge for uh supporting the channel or you can straight up sub if you want to do that drop a paypal uh, donation or leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform of choice um <laughs> i lost nick um in the meantime until next month enjoy this uh brand new episode of topper talk with goran And uh, we'll see you next time.
4: It's Topper Talk with Gorin right now. Let's all have some fun. This is about plastic on top of your pin a topper here and a topper there. Here a topper, there a topper, everywhere a topper. It's critical to the gameplay experience. You must buy one now. It's your monthly fill of toppers right now. Topper Talk with Gorin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Topper Talk with Gorin, the part of the podcast where Kevin and Nick give me about three to five minutes to talk about everything happening in the very active and profitable topper community. Now, today, we're probably going to go over three to five minutes. Uh, Sorry, Kevin and Nick. But that's because we have our very first special guest. And that special guest is the new game designer of American Pinball, uh, Ryan McQuaid. And he's here to talk to us today about his Sonic Spinball Topper that he created for his very cool Sonic Spinball uh, homebrew pinball machine. So let's head into the office to talk about that now. All right. So now here we are in the office with uh, now American Pinball designer, uh, Ryan McQuaid. Brian, how are you? How's it going there? Good. How does it feel to officially say that you are an American pinball designer?
1: Um, it's kind of amazing. Um, (laughs) it was a it was a long time, a lot of work to try to make it happen, and um, now that um, I've actually been working there since February, and it was a big secret that I had to keep because I signed all these lovely pieces of paper that said I would not say anything. So it's really, it's a really I do know, liberating experience for it to be out there and for everyone to know about it, too. Um, but it's really, really exciting. I love it.
4: Well, that's awesome. And, and congratulations again. Thank you. So I figured uh, we should talk about your awesome topper that you've made for your awesome homebrew pinball machine, Sonic Spinball. I know you've made a few different toppers, but I thought we could talk about this one um, this month. Uh, So I'm going to share my screen here with some images that you sent me, and I figured you could sort of start by talking through what the topper is.
1: Sure. Uh, So yeah, right here is the finished version, um, powered off. So the topper for Sonic Spinball is the Chaos Emerald Shrine from Sonic 3 & Knuckles, Um, or some people more know it as the um, super, Super Emerald Shrine, but it's there no matter what, so whatever. Um, it's just like this little. It's called Hidden Palace Zone in the game. That's the name of the location, um, and you can see it's in. It's located inside a volcano on Angel Island in the game, and the the little skybox thing you can kind of see in the top right there is actually the opening, like the cone of a volcano, and that's the Death Egg that has crashed into it. Um, so. In, in this volcano is where the chaos emeralds are stored with, along with the master emerald, which is the big one on the backdrop. And um, they're in this little shrine thing on these ancient pillars with these weird feathery looking things kind of holding them up. Um, and when I knew when I was designing the game, I knew I wanted to have a topper because as you have mentioned previously that I've made a few toppers before. Um, so, it made sense to me to make something that would like track game progress and be able to be like good for light shows um so each one of these emeralds has its own light behind it so it can light up with that go along with the game progress and point white shows and everything um and then we also have a bunch of gi behind that yeah. so um
4: i think i've they it lit up somewhere maybe not i'm sure you do uh, so,
1: so right there, that's, uh, your are you're talking in between the concept arts that I okay. used for this. So, um, this is, this is a piece of fan art that I found that kind of captured what I wanted to go for. You can see it looks like a diorama. It's got like the floor and everything. And it already kind of looks like a topper shape. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, this is, this is what we want to go for, this kind of thing. And, um, this, this artist saw those little petals as kind of leaves. Um, and I was like, oh, I like that. Just, I like that. Um. That interpretation but then I pulled up the original so if you want to go back the other the other one which is the original game graphics right um, yeah right here those um, things look more like uh, feathers or leaves or whatever so I want to I kind of did like a hybrid of the two the those are actually on the actual topper pieces of fake daisies off Amazon Uh Um, I bought I bought fake daisy flowers um, and they were constructed with those, like multiple layers of those things. So they're like um, pinkish daisy petals. Wow. Um, that combined with a lot of epoxy, I made them hold their shape like that.
4: <laughs> wow. Very impressive. Um, what sort of other steps did you go through to making this topper a reality? I think I have some other photos here of the overall construction of the Docker and the process you went through. Could you talk through that a little bit?
1: All right, so I designed it in uh, Fusion 360, um, which let me kind of get a good layout of everything and where I wanted it from the very beginning. Um, I pulled in these like little ancient column-looking things you see there from um, website Ah, thingiverse.com, which lets you, uh, everyone who's done any 3D printing is familiar with uh, Thingiverse. Um, they're originally these columns that are made for, oh yeah, nice, I see that is that a Crusoe Mark III in the background there?
4: Yes it um,
1: is <laughs> I see, so I, I grabbed these pillars that are meant for uh, tabletop gaming and D&D kind of thing and I thought they looked perfect so I flipped them upside down they're originally supposed to be like bottom heavy and then like they get thinner toward the top um, and I just kind of positioned them where I wanted them and then added the, the emeralds which I bought off of eBay, the emeralds are actually glass paperweights that I uh, was able to buy on eBay. Cool. they are glass. They are not plastic, which is why I'm so um I'm so like careful with it while i'm while I'm using it. So there you can see how i um I did a cutout in the back of the uh, pillars for the little light boards um, and then in the back uh, and yeah, these you can see that these are vice heavy glass yeah. um, paperweights that are honestly quite scary. So I, I scraped them up a lot on the bottom and I use a lot of epoxy to make sure they never came out. And I haven't had any problems with them since, but, um, it's always still a little nerve wracking to move it around. Um, hmm. cause I wasn't able to find plastic ones that I liked. I really liked the look of the glass ones. Yeah. Um, so in addition to that, we have the little stalagmites and those are also from like a similar tabletop gaming section of Thingiverse. Um, just a couple of different versions of it. Um, some of them are actually the same, the same set just mirrored. Mm. Um, I think, um, where, and I didn't, didn't really want to use too many of them. I just wanted to give them kind of an accent so that the the bouldery look of the backdrop would um, would look like it's you know just a continuation of that kind of. So as you, as you see it without the backdrop and without the paint and everything, like it's a pretty simple topper, right? Right. Like, right. It, there's not a lot to it, and and the reason for that is because I was kind of scrambling to get ready for um, Expo and Pentastic last year. Um, I was doing a whole rebuild of the game at the time, and I I only had, like, maybe an extra week, like, tops of, of, of like, waiting for a few parts. And um, I just talked to my friend who does modeling, and I, I sent him the concept arts, and we're like, all right, yeah, we can totally knock this out in a couple of weeks, as long as we keep it nice and simple. Yeah. Um, so um uh, it, it looks like really bare when you look at it like this, but then once once we've done it up properly, it, it kind of really pops after that. And I was really happy about it. Um,
4: yeah. yeah, that's um it really overall with everything put together, it is a a great looking great looking topper. Um I think you sent over one or two videos. Do you wanna uh sort of take a look at those, see what it looks like. Uh lit up and talk through sure, how
1: it this great um, so in. now that we're on the now that we're on the picture of the painted one, let me just stop on that real quick. Yeah. Yeah, sure. um I am not this good of a painter. I did not paint this um this was all painted by um a friend of mine, Frank Shepard, who does a lot of um d and d minis and other such he he's a, he's a modeler by by hobby, and so I kind of gave him all that blank um boring looking stuff and that concept art, and said, here, have a ball and he did an incredible job with it. So um, I just wanted to give him a shout out for his excellent job. Yeah. All I did for this paint job was go over go over the whole thing with like a little emerald colored paint, like on a paper towel, just to give it an accent. Um, everything else was him.
4: It really looks great. Um, let me stop sharing the photos and I will start sharing um, the first video. Do you want... All right. So... We play here. You want to sort of talk through what's what's happening here.
1: So right now, the player is in uh, zone select. They're choosing their uh, their main zone that they want to play next, and um, you can see as as the player cycles through them, it's it's got the emerald that they're going after blinking, um, and it's changing the GI color to match the zone that they're in. So right now, they're on the cyan emerald, and that would be the ice level. Um, and if they were to choose that, then that would be the one that they were going after. Um, so this is just um, the way that the, it keeps track of your progress in the game. If an emerald is collected, it'll be on and the light will be solid. And if it's the one you're currently working on, it'll be blinking. Um, it also is used for a lot of different light shows um, during the game. It's mostly mirrored. It, it has its own light shows, and it's also mirrored on the, of the inserts on the play field. So if it has nothing better to do, like for lack of a better sense, if it if I don't have any specific light show running on the topper, um, it will do whatever the emerald inserts on the playfield are doing, um, just as part of a, as part of it. So what you end up with there is, you say, the boss is exploding and like those lights are flashing red for a minute. Like that explosion is now all the way up onto the topper as well, um, and it also just fills it all in a little bit. So whenever there's not anything specific running. Um, we're just mirroring those those inserts, um, but it does a great deal to um, highlight the differences between the zones um, and makes it feel like you're in a different location. Um, like especially when the red one and the cyan one lights up. Like I don't know, I swear the room gets a little warmer when it gets all red uh, like that. It looks
4: really so. <laughs> great. It looks really great. And let me share. Attempt to share the other, the other one here. The attract mode.
1: Yeah, the attract mode just shows a few of the light shows that um, I made for it. Um, I use them throughout the game as well, but um, for the most part, it's just you know running a light across them and a few patterns and stuff
4: like that. All right, this, should, this should, here we go. I got a I got a attract mode here. You can see what's going on. Delightful. It really looks great in a dark room with everything. Um, slowly lighting up is it how many leds is it per
1: per um it's only one led per emerald but there's also 16 gi leds up there
4: ah that's what's doing it okay all right Um,
1: (laughs) it definitely looks like a lot more than one it is it's a lot more than one i mean just one of those lights is right up against the back of each one of those gems to use the whole thing as a diffuser as you can see they but then like the rest of it is more just for the ambience and like it also, especially during that little like twinkle mode, you have little twinkles coming from down all below the um, behind the stalagmites or stalactites. Which ones are on the ground?
4: I stalagmites forget.
1: or stalactites. which are those? I'm not really sure. <laughs> but one of our one of our viewers, <laughs> I'm sure, is screaming at the screen every time I call them the one thing. Um, yeah, the, but thing- it just gives them a depth of the cave look to have the lights behind it like that and it makes it look a lot busier than it is
4: awesome yeah well this is a fantastic topper and it, and it really does seem like it integrates really well uh, with the game and expands the overall world of of sonic um, and theme integration so uh, thank you again for coming on to the show and chatting about this topper and sharing it with all of us
1: that, thank you for having me um, and thanks to the Midwest Gaming Classic judges for giving me the award for best mod for that last yes. weekend um i didn't even I didn't even know it was up for the award um, but I, I like I was telling I believe I was telling you off camera as part of a uh, sound test. Um, <laughs> my game actually crashed a few times during the show um and people I, I was around so people were able to find me and I would come like reboot it and one of the times that I did that I was going behind the machine to get a tool so i could um open it up and i noticed there was a little trophy like leaning over the edge of the top or about to fall down (laughs) onto the glass and i was like oh dear what is this this is going to be a bad time and you know picked it up it's oh best mod that's (laughs) great it and then i'm like wait a minute like this custom, this is a custom game, not a mod. What's going on? And then I figured out, oh, you put it on the topper on purpose. I get it now. <laughs> um, apparently, apparently, they just didn't do a best-in show for um for Homebrew this year, which is fine. Um, But I just put it back in a more secure location for the rest of the show. So, uh, shout-outs to the to the People's Choice. I think it was People's Choice. But I'm not sure if there were any judges, but I'm glad everyone enjoyed it, really.
4: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, congratulations on that. And congratulations again on uh, now being a game designer for American Pinball and hope to talk to you again soon on Topper Talk.
1: All right. Can't wait to be back.
4: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Topper Talk with Goren. Tune into the next bro show for another episode. And as always, get out there and buy a topper. Thank you for coming to my Topper Talk.
0: All right. So it looks like he's going for a
3: scoop.
1: Oh, five orbits. Working on his Zeppelin multi-ball locks.
2: Oh no!